And we're back after so long. Welcome it's to Dialogue Choices Podcast. How many weeks has it been? Two, exactly. No, three it has weeks. Not. It has uh, been more. Uh, uh. It, has it been so th- many things have happened in because well, we, th- we, we missed two time. weeks, right? Which means it's been three weeks. Yeah, yeah. That's how mad. So many things have happened so- in this meantime. The yeah. GTA Six has been leaked. Animal oh. beads have been used to cheat a chess. And oh. I think possibly the most important and and like ground not groundbreaking is not the word but like life changing thing that happened obviously obviously over the course of the last three stuff weeks stuff that's really going to make the, the annals of history. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that uh, Death Stranding the sequel sort of has been teased by Hideo Kojima and uh, yeah, everybody's very excited for that for that as well. So is then, he still yeah, is he still stranded only. and dead? I don't know. It's 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 just, it's just who am I is the question. Did you see the announcement? No. No. I mean, it's going to be called live a <laughs> uh, live stranding now. So live stranding. Live stranding. Death stranding. <laughs> you know what? That would be a better title than death stranding. And then sleep stranding will be the, the yeah. third the third game. It'd be just like Twitch sleep streamers. is in between. Playing Twitch standing like Raft. Twitch standing is a pretty bold uh pretty bold name. Twitch stranding. Oh, that's not, yeah. yeah, I can see Which that. Stranding. Just, I mean, everything could be a stranding game, right? I don't know, because isn't it supposed to be about the whales? And then the whales feature 0% in the what? plot of the whole game? I couldn't Wait. tell you. I, I never beat the game, so I have no idea. Oh, you never the beat the game? You're as, so you're no, asking no. if the game is about the whales? No, it isn't, but the name is about <laughs> the whales. And there's just like, oh, man. Then I the mean, whales it's about don't... beaches, I guess. The, the, the fake... No, Death it is Beach. Yeah, that's not the plot of the game. You, they could it call is. it like the Prairie. It would work just the same. They just the Prairie. It, it's a typical. It, the Death Stranding's plot you know is typical. All of humanity was beached. <laughs> no, they weren't. Why? Why Weirdly, come up with that analogy? It's very weird thinking that Death Stranding and Pathologic Two both came out a year before the pandemic because they both feel like games about the pandemic. Well, I mean, Kojima does that all the time, though, right? He's always he's pressing shows up things, and he's yeah. like, "Wouldn't it be Memes. funny if this terrible dystopian kind of thing happened?" And he's like, "Yeah, let's do that." Kojima's like, "Wait, no." <laughs> he does spend the entire ending of Metal Gear Solid Two describing WhatsApp and Reddit, uh, in advance. Although, although sometimes people pay attention to him just noticing the past and think that he's predicting the future, like when he said, like apparently in Revengeance, the bad guy says, "Make America great again." But he's quoting Reagan. Yeah, that was, oh, not, yeah, a, that was not a new one. phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh my god, Reagan? he predicted the reactionaries of the future. It's like, no? <laughs> no? No, they're just reusing it. It's That's normal. That's we just forget things very quickly. I thought, uh, I well, didn't okay. think, I thought he was I the mean, KKK, give, not, give not some... Reagan. Well, I'm sure the phrase wasn't invented by Reagan, but, uh, you know, give some credit to people. Most people don't remember Reagan, and he didn't remember himself either by the end. So, at the oh. end of the day, oh. what's to really, what's to really, uh, how, how is it anybody's fault? They don't I mean, I wish people phrase. remembered Reagan less, or at least they choose to remember a version of him <laughs> that is like a weird magic I, I, I fantasy. Wish people, yeah, yeah, I wish people remembered the real Reagan and not like the historical Reagan. Because the real Reagan's a lot worse of a person than the one that the history books make out to be. 
which is impressive because history books aren't very flattering on Reagan either. <laughs> I mean, every every president's actually a nightmare. It's it's it's, 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 it's we live in a yeah. hell of our own making uh, forever. Excuse yeah. you, George Washington was a great president. I don't know what kind of things you could cancel Wait, him over. No, He's, he wasn't. He wasn't president. Yes, he was. Oh, yes, he what was. Are you he was the yeah, first president. Yeah. <laughs> well, who was the, the person who wasn't a president? There was a person who was like, ah, everybody thinks I was a president, Most but I wasn't. Most people. Well, no. <laughs> you heard me. I mean, I mean, if you want to be technical, like every every president that isn't the party, the that isn't the president of the people who are you talking are about? Like, who's the person that that's on our money that wasn't a president? Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, talking about Benjamin Franklin. Franklin, that yeah, that's the one. Yeah, Benjamin Franklin had zero reason to be president. That would get down to the bottom of this. Mm -hmm. Franklin was a Franklin was too busy being a playboy. He didn't have time to be president, and good for him, honestly. Not for his lovers though, because he had syphilis. So he was. It yeah, was a bad time. So did like every <laughs> everyone in Europe had syphilis. That was the thing. It was to very have. fashionable. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was a fashionable disease. Hmm. Honestly, only the poor didn't so. have syphilis. They didn't have time to do it. They were working, slaving away at the factories and whatnot. And now they're going to never know the joys. So looks like they're a loss. The joys uh, of Ichi Ichi scrotum. But and other uh, but yeah, no, Franklin. Uh, I think. Uh, I think. We chose a lot of our, wasn't most of our money based on founding fathers, not from presidents? I don't know. I think I have some dollars in my house right now. I, I know exactly where they are. So I, well, can, I, mean, I, I, I know that I know the majority of people on our money are presidents, but we've also changed it over the time. I think I think in the beginning, our money was more founding fathers and presidents, and then we slowly have moved it to presidents. Yeah, because we kicked off like Alexander Hamilton off the ten dollar bill. Was Hamilton a president though? I think he was a president. I don't know. Hamilton? I don't remember if he was a. I know there's a play not. about it. Uh, that's not. It, that's not a very good representation of Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't think he was much into musicals. Uh, let's see. He was a you only have a hundred dollar bills. You don't go above that. That's interesting. Why would we go above a hundred dollar bill? What are you What are you trying to buy? Have you really used to go up to five hundred? I wonder. Five hundred. Why would you spend five hundred dollars? Why we Why would you have a bill of five hundred dollars? That is way too much money to be easily stolen. Well, you know, don't don't get stolen. Don't get robbed. I mean, don't live. I, I suppose that's on one hand. There's again. discussion to be had about how like the lower end of all money needs to be phased out because some so much of it is like actively useless like pennies don't facilitate commerce and that was a point that was made uh 15 years ago <laughs> so now they make even then they uh, facilitate even less commerce yeah. and we keep making them uh but at the same time mm -hmm. i don't know if there's much need for larger bills when we're mostly just turning away from the idea of bills at all yeah that's true but anyway, let's talk about a thing people actually fucking care about. Overwatch. That's right. Overwatch. <laughs> oh no, I feel so Overwatch? fucking vindicated at the moment. 
all these Why? motherfuckers. You open your loot boxes? Every single time I don't engage with like a free-to-play style mechanics and games, they're all designed to hook you in and whatnot. And I just play the game and I ignore the thing and I don't touch it. And all these people fucking complain in, in the comments for such a long time. And it's always like, it's free and it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect you and there's no reason to be mad about it. Like it's, it's this very obvious defensiveness. Like the way that people react to somebody else being vegan, even when the person that's vegan doesn't like say anything about their behavior there's like an inherent insecurity in the idea that somebody else is making a choice on some level that might be morally inclined and then so you, you feel guilty about not doing exactly what they do and like that whole like bizarre thing that makes people like lash out and complain about like vegans and so on like there i, I was i was constantly getting that about the fucking loot boxes because i wasn't opening them and it's like do you not see the endless march of history in gaming to get worse forever. Like, once upon a time, the fucking Chad gamers of the 2000s were, like, furious about horse armor once upon a time. Like, how dare Bethesda make a horse armor DLC for Oblivion? What an incredible, like, horrible scam. And, and, and what an intense crazy perversion of the entire pricing structure of video games and what content does it deserves to be and blah 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 and nowadays people just like bend over for genshin impact and i get and it's like controversial for me to not like genshin impact and so on and it's controversial for me to not engage with loot boxes and lo and fucking behold overwatch's sequel can't you can't really say it doesn't affect gameplay now huh the fucking battle Ooh. pass has the characters locked to it the new characters for the new sequel, as far as I can tell, are all tied to the fucking battle passes. You have to do wow. the stupid battle pass to get the characters, which, like, raises um, several no, problems. You don't, you don't have to do the battle passes to get the characters. Uh, it only You only have to do that to get the characters during the battle pass season. So when the That's battle pass is weeks. out... What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, so you got to wait. The battle pass. That's a long time. Okay. So here's the <laughs> if, way that if it works. It's the duration battle of normal Overwatch get... seasons, at least. And and so okay, for context here, because I'm sure I'm sure it's gonna happen. I have no support for this. I don't want this at all. I wish I only wish for Overwatch to just crash, burn, and die out the gate. But here's how it works. So battle pass comes out, much like every other battle pass. The the main character, that new character is going to be on that battle pass. Once you get it, you can play that character. Everything is fucking hunky dory. If you don't want to pay for the battle pass like a reasonable, sane human being, you wait until the battle pass is over, and then they will, there will be a path to unlocking that character for free once the battle pass is over. Um, but, however, the contention here is that the only way you can play competitive is if you buy the battle pass and unlock the character. Because you're not exactly. allowed to play competitive if you do not have access to the characters. What I was getting to is the yeah. fact that this game was creating a situation where you can be on a team where a specific uh, composition comes up. And the ideal way to, to deal with that is to switch to this character. And the person that needs to switch to that character doesn't own that character. <laughs> like, that's the yep. new Overwatch experience. In a which game you can... where they've reduced the parties to five people, which means the individual players are all more impactful than ever before. And this means so it's going to that... be really fun to, to be on a team and you find out that like your support staff don't have access to this new character that's super required for the meta. 
and you just get completely trounced over because you're playing with a bunch of people who don't want to pay for DLC. So your experience in yeah, quick well, play that, that is we're really about, bad. <laughs> we're also talking what about you, the launch DLC, version though. that has like maybe three characters, which also is like a incredibly small roster of new characters for a supposed sequel. Like I was expecting like 10. Wait, they're not <laughs> like, porting the characters? What? what? Yeah, they are. They're not porting all the characters into Overwatch 2? They no, are. they're keeping they all are. the old He's characters. Saying, I'm yeah. saying that making a sequel should include oh, like, right, right. I don't know, 8 to 12 characters. That should be like how you justify Whoa. it being a sequel. Whoa, but yeah. instead, barely was, got a sequel. But Calm instead down. we only have three characters and they all have to be unlocked, so you can't even just play them right away. But also, like, at the, this creates a long-term problem where as the game continues to grow and have more characters, supposedly, like before, uh, that's an even longer list of characters you have to unlock over time as a new player in order to even have access to the full game's, like, abilities and skills and things that, like, let you interact with everything. Like, I... I'm so baffled. It's <laughs> but I mean, also like yeah, everyone the, um, who ever was like, oh, the you should just engage with the loot boxes and encourage the system because, you know, it, uh, it like make, it helps the game profit or whatever the fuck. And it doesn't hurt the gameplay. It's the best system ever because it has no effect on the gameplay. Well, that's out the fucking window, isn't it? At least Halo Infinite and its horrible battle passive, would you like a slightly different chunk of metal to put on your shoulder? Isn't like, hey, uh, we locked sniping <laughs> behind the battle pass, so... Good luck. <laughs> well, I don't understand, though, what is the battle pass? Like, that term means so many different things in so many different games. It's the same what battle exactly pass that I, for? as far as I can tell, it's the same battle pass that I saw when I played, uh, the, not Apex Fortnite. Legends. Fortnite. Yes, that one. Um, oh. Apex Legends. So you keep leveling up, and there's two, tr it's, this is, this is what was discovered, it was discussed in a Folding Ideas video manufactured, uh, Shit. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, no. You're going to look it up now. <laughs> uh, We're all doing it. Manufactured discontent. There we go. I'm like, what is, what is the name of one of my favorite videos? I couldn't fucking mm -hmm. think of it. But he, he discusses a lot in there, but it's just the, the ideal of the manipulative tactic in battle passes is basically FOMO, which is the fact that mm -hmm. there's an entire season of this battle pass being in play and you can unlock the contents of that battle pass by playing during that battle pass and then once it's over it's just gone forever so you can't get any of those things ever again mm -hmm. to put this in furry terms uh there's a fucking werewolf in uh in fortnite and you can't get him He's like the most famous uh, skin in the in the fandom, and you actually can't get him unless you played that exact season at that time and unlocked him. So like, that's like that's just a thing for that as well. Or my annoyance of the fucking I want to put stupid cat ears on my on my Master Chief, and I just they won't give it to me. They won't let me buy it. That that's battle passes. That's that's the bullshit that this stuff is. But the the manipulative so that tactic that, that they use here is that when you play a game that has a battle pass, every time you play at all, you're leveling up. So you're always leveling up and getting some bullshit like like when we play Fall Guys or even last night when we played Among Us, like you level up now in Among Us. Great. Cool. Love that. Uh, what? And then, you, then you unlock <laughs> you some bullshit. You level up in Among Us? Why? 
And what if the they're fuck? What are you... if they're being okay-ish about it, then this is just a level up mechanic that does nothing, and it's just permanent, and it's just like uh, you just you know you get level fifty, you get a fireball, whatever, and it's just cosmetics. But if it's a battle pass, then you have like six weeks to finish leveling up all the way. Otherwise, you all the stuff on that track because every level will give you like items. We'll just go away forever. You'll never get them. So it's like a manipulative way to get you to keep playing for unlock reasons within a time limit instead of playing because you want to, which is already bad as a way of like many, uh, incentivizing the wrong reasons to play instead of just because you like a video game. But mm-hmm. there's a second track, the premium track of the battle pass. So below the uh, free track is the premium track. And that's a second set of unlocks for all the levels. And so what happens is that as you get down the battle pass, there are more frequent and uh, unlocks on the premium track and less frequent unlocks in the free track. They're unique. They're both unique. And so you can't get a single one from the premium one uh, unless you're paying. And at some point, as you keep leveling up, the one not, the, the free track gets more and more vacant and the premium track gets more and more full of just shit that you can keep getting. And so you just keep getting taunted every time you finish a match with the stuff that you would have gotten if you just had bought the premium thing. And in, at any moment, look, look at all the stuff you've already unlocked. You're level 72. Don't you want that stuff you've unlocked? You've unlocked 30 items. If you pay now, you can have it. So it's like it's that pressure. It's an emotional pressure that they exert on you over and over again at the end of every match for every time you play a multiplayer game. And that's just what multiplayer gaming is like now. And it's like yeah. trash. Yeah. It's horrible. I fucking hate it. It's, You'll see me hit escape as fast as possible bad. to skip the end screen of these games every single time because I'm like, shut the fuck yeah. up. <laughs> it's predatory and it's bad. But I think the way you're describing Overwatch 2, it's even worse because they put gameplay stuff in the pass. Yeah, because the thing is, like, the new, are you are you saying that basically the new characters that are going to be released every season will be locked behind the battle yes. pass? They're you, adding a new character every, every other season? season and it's unlocked and yeah. it's unlocked by the battle pass. Which means that yeah. character will 100% of the time be more powerful than it will be once it's not unlocked That is the anymore. famous League of Legends problem, which is the idea yeah. that whenever they add a new yeah. character, they have to sell the new character. So they always have to be a little bit overpowered because uh, yeah. you have to like be like, oh, man, I really want that character that seems strong. You don't want, you don't yeah. want to be like... It's a meta. You can't have the like problem with like Echo two weeks after her release where immediately she was like forgettable garbage. No one wanted to play her if she's a product that you're trying to sell. Like you can add yeah, characters, it's gonna be like Brig. yeah. You can add characters to a meta and be like, ah, well, they're not working out great yet. Maybe we'll tweak them a little bit in a few months or something. Or maybe changing another character will actually lead to them suddenly becoming the best character because suddenly their niche exists or something. But instead, it's like, no, we got to sell this character, so they're gonna be kind of bullshit and having like this overtuned kit while they're while they make us money, and then they'll be suspiciously weaker. A few months later. Yeah, they'll be nerfed. <laughs> you like the yeah. specific art. It's like, of course. Man. Meanwhile, Which means like, the com- competitive will be broken. A hundred, Well, not 100% because it's only every other season. So every other season, the competitive will be broken. Well, so we... there'll be one. So the season when the character comes out, it won't be worth playing. And then the season after it comes out, it won't be worth playing because now all the f- people who didn't pay for Battle Pass will have access to it. And they will just be getting access to it. So it means they won't know how to play the character. So you're either stuck in an unbalanced character competitive scene when you paid for it, or you're stuck in like everyone has access to this character. They are very trash at scene. And so like, yeah. there's just never going to be a fun time to play competitive anymore. And that's honestly wrong? great because Am the I more wrong? you punish competitive, which is the whole <laughs> point of overwatch, 
and the make it so people don't want to play it anymore then the less people will play it and then it will just die and then we can finally move yeah, on going, and just be done with it like this is definitely why they this is yeah. so much why they definitely wanted to over like like basically update over overwatch one because locking characters behind battle pass would a hundred percent get you people to not jump on board with this game unless you force them into it like that is the entire stratagem is hoping that like well they don't they can't go back to overwatch one so they have to like this idea <laughs> like yeah like that is that is the worst defender here uh, uh, at the end of the day is saying like not only can you not go back to your overwatch that isn't scummy like this six but on now you only six have on an six option. tank synergy with no battle pass like that game deleted in a couple well, of weeks it, it's yeah. just not gonna be here soon just, just great and uh am i wrong in in am i wrong in looking at overwatch as i like one character maybe two and i play them exclusively you're not gonna have a very good time in competitive uh, that's uh, that's all i I play i would i would say that that's generally understood to be how a lot of people play the game yes including a lot of high-end players like because at some point you have to be so good at the specific character that you play that you pretty much do have to focus on them all the time but you do mm-hmm. also need to be able to switch to certain things and certain strategies just to like solve problems sometimes essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, unless you're unless you're playing in like Overwatch League top 500 levels, you need to know how to play every character at least enough to like know when they're going to have alt or know what their stuff does or their cooldowns like Oh, no, no, no. Overwatch that's, that's, is uh, a, for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Overwatch is like a very big game about uh about comp- like switching the whole point of that game is switching characters on the fly when you need to to tackle problems, and that's at least the, what they tried to know. advertise that's, it as. But I don't know that that's the game they tried that. to make. I don't think that's functionally well, the game they made for the most part. One of the biggest things is the fact that do you don't that, you yeah. lose all of your ult every time you switch, which actively disincentivizes switching. Not in, in many cases. Did they change no, you that? Still do. You still do. No. Well, nope. maybe not in Overwatch. You do not. I Overwatch tried 2, it. yeah, Overwatch 2, you will not lose all of your ult charge. You only lose oh, okay, uh, okay. a certain percentage of it. So it's still this incentivized, just not too much. Yeah, the way I do it when I switch is I wait until my ult is good, I do my thing, and then I switch. But my point is, like, playing both with Moira and with Lucio, who are, they're my mains, they, they're, they're like... It's not like playing DPS or or like playing tanks where well ma- tanks are very specialized. Basically, heals and tanks. There you need to know the characters very well to be able to to take advantage of them. Lucio is probably the easiest, but like jumping around and being fast in the map takes a little bit of practice, and I just like it because it's fun. But the moment like I see so many Lucios just be suck bad, <laughs> like enemy Lucio always bad, and I know exactly why they're bad, and I know why and how how to take advantage of that. And it's like that, but that's because I dedicate all my time to Lucio. Overwatch he's, two doesn't he has a very specific skill to learn. Yeah, but but you can say the same thing for the punchy guy. Who, what the what's his name? Uh, Doomfist. Doomfist. Yeah, it's very very specific. Moira is a little bit as well, but not too much. It's mostly about positioning. Man, Doomfist is tank. That's surreal. And then apparently he's immediately isn't he immediately bad? Uh, so they oh, fixed him and then they made him bad again. So uh, oh. they they changed it. So uh, so when he originally showed up, he wasn't a very good tank. And then they changed it so that his uh, slam attack when he like falls into the ground, not his alt, but like his just as like the one shit. of his slam attacks would slow yeah. an enemy. 
that gets hit by it. So that means your ult can easily kill that person. You just slam and then ult and then kill them instantly. And they said, oh, that's not fun anymore. So we're going to get rid of that. And now he's not a good tank anymore. So that's for Overwatch 2, though, right? Yeah, it's for Overwatch 2. Overwatch yeah. 1, he's still, I mean, he's not a tank. So yeah, in Overwatch 1, he's now. just a, yeah, he's a really easy guy you can shoot. Um, I tried I tried but, learning him, but from a movement perspective of being able to like climb on top of buildings and stuff, and yeah. it's just like it's very difficult. <laughs> his his it is hard is, to yeah. it is hard to fuck with that geometry. And uh, ironically enough, I remember I saw I because they changed him to a tank, they they changed his kit, and so his movement isn't the same that it used to be in Overwatch One. And so the people mm -hmm. that are really big on doing the Doomfist parkour. We're upset that like, like oh, I just can't anymore. play Doomfist parkour yeah. anymore because you just fucking wipe this character. It's like, can we, can we like give him his old kit back in the in the uh, custom editor? Like, can we give him certain moves? Because I would like to have access to that. So it's like, oh man, if only you didn't over like, if only you didn't over uh, uh, install over Overwatch one, then people could just keep having the fun that they. <laughs> yeah, that that for me is is just. I don't I don't understand why they're I mean I understand I think, why they're doing so, it but I think it's super bad. Yeah. I think they're doing it to avoid the obvious which is either no one wants to go to Overwatch 2 and now they fuck themselves or the servers for Overwatch 1 become like slowly more barren and why are we paying money for barren servers when we barely can afford to keep the lights on obviously since every game are that you we sure? make is now a battle pass game. Are you sure but, that they barely can afford literally anything at all? Activision, well, Blizzard. every single fucking game that they pay, that they come out with has a loot box or battle pass system, so they must be struggling for money. So they're because they're begging for it. They're just begging for it every time you turn their I'm games on for money. They're so they must be struggling. Their users, it's the, it's just no, the a battle pass. A battle pass. A battle pass is no different than someone holding a sign that says, "I need help, please donate." And there's no <laughs> other difference between that. Like, why else would you have a battle pass unless you desperately needed money? You like, need to look at monetization. <laughs> We've talked a little, a little bit about this before, but like you need to look at any type of monetization from just plain old expansions to like subscription, subscription models. You need to look at them like they know they can sell the game for a certain amount of money, but they also know that there's a certain section of their, their player base that would pay a lot more. And so things like gold editions and pre-order bonuses and, and like... Uh, weird dlcs that don't really add anything or like nonsense like all of that is just sucking money out of their dearest player base of the people who like their game the most they're the ones that are going to be um paying the most and th they pay because they want to naturally but obviously the uh the implication of that is that the company knows that they want to and will suck them dry as much as possible and that's how you see things like Diablo Immortal and literally any gacha game working so well is because it doesn't matter that the vast majority of people don't engage in those monetization systems. It, it doesn't matter that you can enjoy the game or, I mean, I suppose you can enjoy literally anything, but it doesn't matter that you can enjoy the game without spending money. The point is they have a fan base that will pay whatever they want and that, yeah, they, they suck it. And that's, that's, that's why that's what I'm saying. That's, Maybe it's that's you fine. shouldn't see it as I mean you shouldn't see it as them begging for money. It's them taking money right out of the hands of the people who like them the most. I think I think it's, Andrew was joking. Just, <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, I am joking, but it is very oh, right. <laughs> it comes it comes off a little pathetic that like no matter what I interact with, I'm constantly reminded that there is a 
battle pass or a store that I could buy from. It's like, all right, well, you it know, is. it'd be really yeah. annoying if I went to like a grocery store and bought some milk and someone was like, hey, did you know that cookies exist? I'm like, yes, I'm fucking aware. I don't need you to remind me every time I pick up milk because you know what? It's getting kind of annoying and I don't want to buy milk anymore. Maybe I'm just going to stop coming here altogether if you keep reminding me. And then I just haven't played Halo Infinite ever. And I wonder why that is. What happened there? I, 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 well, I was going to say, I think you're describing Rayleigh's like, coupon system where they keep being like, be sure to come back in, in a week to buy these things for this discount I'll, or I'll they're going to be know, gone. Because I, don't get, I don't take the receipt, fucking losers. Goodbye, I paid for it <laughs> digitally. <laughs> and leave off. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to deal with that. But... Sorry, He's I, dead. Uh, trying to stab me in the back. The, um, the, uh, no, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand how it doesn't, like, it's just the most unappealing thing is when you start a game and the first thing it tells you is hey you should spend money it's like i'm sorry did i did i just accidentally stumble into a into a ponzi scheme what happened here why am i why am i being inundated and asked and demanded of money when i haven't even started i don't even know if i like this game and you're asking me for money already that's a little (laughs) i was uh, watching a a video about the new player experience of destiny 2 and apparently when you launch the game, <laughs> it just gives you a full screen yeah. slide of like every single DLC pack and expansion yep. that's ever been made one at a time back to back before you can even feel what the game is like. And it's like 10. Yeah. Like it just keeps going for it so is. long, uh, but it genuinely feels like so, a prank or a joke. <laughs> and it's not even it's not even for new players. I've never bought a single thing in Destiny 2. I besides besides stupidly buying Destiny 2. Because what a fool I was to buy a game when it would have just gone free to play anyways. What a fucking idiot. And so the uh, be- so well, I bought Destiny 2 and, and nothing else. Because I, you know, I beat Destiny 2 and I said, that's it. You can't make this game any better and you can't make it any worse. It is such bad trash that I'm just going to walk away and I'm done. And so then it comes out with a fuck ton of new DLC. And so I, I went back to it like a couple of days ago. And it is no joke. Like 10 fucking slides that you cannot just skip or mass skip through or quickly skip through you just have to it loads press it loads press it it's like what the fuck what am i doing can i just get to the game like it's just it is it is insane and it all of this all of this just to remind you like did you know that there is this intense story that you can go watch and it's like well is it in destiny it's like well yeah it's de- well, then i don't want to play it why would i why would i why would i want to play it. it's a destiny story i don't want that i'm not here for that i'm here for like but just destiny turning my brain off and not not things. thinking about anything you don't play destiny because you're engaged or involved you play it because you want to not think about something for like a couple of hours and go and do the same exact fucking vanguard missions you've done literally the past six years it's fine that's just the <laughs> whole point of destiny it's the appeal it's like playing wow classic no one boots up wow classic because they want to like do anything crazy they just want to like play the game they remember with their brain turned off and having fun and like wow this is great it would be really annoying if like every time you booted up wow classes like by the way did you know you could buy 15 mounts right now for 39.99 you'd be like look man i just came here to ask myself why i haven't stopped playing wow in 50 years i didn't come here for any of the store i don't know what that is and i'm quite frankly scared of it I just want to go back to 2005. Please leave my old bones alone. That is that is pretty much it. That's all. That's all people want. I don't know. I want to go back to Halo 2 where I booted up the game and it was like, do you want to play campaign or multiplayer? 
and that was all it asked me. It didn't. It didn't need. It didn't need my credit card info. It didn't want to remind me that I'm like a pathetic loser because I didn't want to buy cat ears. It none of that. It didn't have to shame me for deciding to play uh, Halo Two six weeks later. It's not my fault that I had a life going on. I didn't need to be reminded that I'm a loser for having one. Oh man, you missed out on half the battle pass, and now you're not gonna have time. Do you want to pay thirty dollars to get halfway through the battle pass? And I'm like, no, I don't want to. Jesus Christ, they do that? Why are you like this? Yeah. They remind you that you can buy a skip for the battle pass and get halfway through it because it's almost over. You don't want to miss out on the cool (laughs) products and colors. And it's like, I don't, dude, could you You imagine if you can essentially buy the battle pass twice? Yeah. You could. It's, but it's so, it's so much. Like, I, I could not imagine going anywhere. Like, if I went to anything in real life and someone was that aggressive to sell me something, I would probably commit an assault and leave like I would. There's no way there's no way that that would be tolerable in real life. But people just accept it because it's a video game and just excuse it like all those poor game devs. They need that money. It's expensive to have a game. Who says that? Who says that the money doesn't go to the the devs? They're underpaid and ununionized and they, they work in a terrible conditions and the money all goes for the publishers. And so the but thing that's is, the thing is, people. The re- but people. The real tragedy behind it. they, they will because there's they're sold this like these lies are not told. I mean, they're eventually told by by players, but they they they're born out of the marketing departments of companies that are trying to justify this nonsense. The real tragedy, well, the real tragedy is that workers are not paid for their work. But the other tragedy is that the, all the monetization that we see in gaming these days, what we're talking about. And the end result is that there's fewer games. And we've talked about this as well before, but it's not, you know, obviously you see that in Blizzard and you see that in uh, um, uh, Rockstar. And uh, yeah, basically what this means is that there's more of a pressure of monetizing already existing games and dumping development time into already existing games. And then games that are being developed, they're more under pressure of being extreme successes, which means there's fewer of them because they'll just get canceled if they don't, not like before release, they'll get canceled if like there's no provision or what's the word for, they don't foresee the monetization working very well. And, and that's why there's, that's why there's fewer games from enormous companies. But I don't, go ahead. I feel like like there's a lot of, yeah, but I feel like there's a lot of, uh, what's the word? I, it, there seems to be a really bad mismanagement in video game industries, mostly from management, obviously. But there seems to be a really bad understanding of uh, what constitutes a good game. And it's not a game that stun, like it's stunningly beautiful to look at. It's a game that's fun to play. Like That's the whole fucking point. I can go look at way more stunning things outside. Well, nobody who makes video games is incentivized to make good games. Yes. Well, yeah. They're just designed. They're just incentivized to make profitable games. And people Mm -hmm. keep fucking buying this stuff. They keep engaging with these monetization structures, which means they. There you go. Like that's why it's profitable. People are so mad. I don't. I saw that guy that I, don't that, mind it. I saw it's... the guy that that like spent so much money on Diablo Immortal over a hundred thousand dollars that he literally can't play the game anymore because he can't match make with people 
<laughs> anyone anymore because yeah. he spent so much money. And people are so mad in the comments at that guy specifically. It's like, people like you were why this game exists and so on. And it's like, is he though? <laughs> it's I like, don't think people so. like him are a symptom. He's an example of why the games exist, but he's mm -hmm. not like the person specifically. He's an influencer. He's one of those people that like, yeah, he's making money yeah, off I, of the microtransactions, so he keeps feeding it back into the mic. There's a lot of people that do this. There's a lot of uh, YouTubers was, and, and yeah. streamers that very yeah, specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. make a living off of engaging with the monetization structures of these games because people just fucking it, Twitch donate them and then just the, they just feed that directly yeah. back into the game and then they yeah, and then they're I, making a I, living I, off of that, which is absurd. I think they are. I think they are equally as bad as the developers for making the system. Like they are, it's the uh, know, opening loot boxes, uh, like you, the yeah the CS Lodo kind of thing. It's the same basic and fundamental. And I, I mean, it's the same people do that for like opening packs of Pokemon cards and shit too. Yeah, like, yeah. When you same engage, thing. like even if someone's pay, even if it's your not, it's not your own money being engaged into the system. When you pay money into a bad system you're rewarding the bad system for existing regardless of whether or not it's you know like if this guy didn't spend 10,000 of his own fucking hard-earned cash cool that's good for you bud i'm glad he managed to trick a bunch of people to pay you to have things so you can't play a game anymore that's smart 100,000 like or whatever 100,000 you know what 15 million i don't care whatever the whole like every celebrity every celebrity has funny. a brand of fucking cosmetics or whatever and people buy that shit you're just funding these people and then they just ruin your life somehow the point being is that just because you just because it's not your money that you're using to engage in a bad system doesn't mean that you're not helping the bad system continue existing because then companies say like hey if we just make a game that streamers like to play then they'll all want the battle pass right because they, they get paid for doing the game and they can use it on the battle pass and then we have loot boxes which they'll obviously fucking people will pay them to do like it just they'll just feed off of you they'll leech off of you and say like ah oh, we can just find a way to harvest these people who are gullible enough to to sell themselves out to giving money to us i'm just, just imagining so the incentive structure people. like if i stream overwatch 2 there's this like people will be complaining i'm not playing as the new character and like why don't you get the new character why have you bought the new character oh, because they're the like still yeah, behind yeah. A, a a purchase wall yeah because they want the influencer needs to go do the thing with the stuff it's a very strange experience, like, knowing that there's just entire... There's people who make a living off of not making loot boxes, but opening them. Like, there are influencers who just open yeah. video game loot boxes and then get donations and they keep opening more. Or they open, like, Pokemon card packs and just look at the cards yep, yep. I got over and over again. And that's just yep. like that's like that's that's and, every Genshin Impact stream that's a, is just yeah, watching and that's someone. just like a thing yeah. people like to watch for some reason. And, then, and I'm like, and I'm so reason... confused by what people find entertaining because it's my job <laughs> to do that. And I'm like, I don't want to do that though. What I'm finding interesting <laughs> is that what I find interesting is that somehow it's the streamers' fault and not the viewers' fault. Obviously, the real fault is the companies that make the monetization systems. Well, the yeah, companies the are the reason fault. the monetization system. Because they're the ones feeding the big streamers that do that. If it weren't for kids looking at... I say kids, but, it, you know, it's, it's younger. It tends to be younger demographics. Looking at people playing high-level Diablo Immortal characters and being like, Oh, look at all the numbers! And look at how much... Oh, this guy spent $1,000 million in this game. It's so dumb. And donate and whatnot. Uh, it's the... 
like obviously it's nobody's fault none of those people are at fault they're just following the the system the system being created by the companies who make the games the companies who make the I games think, are the ones that are at fault it's not i would the, say they are the reason companies the games exist. i think it's companies companies streamers and then viewers viewers are just being conditioned to think that this is fun and entertaining to watch it is. because it is everybody fun, else though. is doing that but the streamers are the one doing that to those viewers and the companies are the ones that are profiting off of those streamers that are doing that to those viewers so i would say that like viewers are are just poor poor suckers being tricked into something whereas the streamers and the the companies are the ones that are like exploiting these poor people uh, i don't know if people legitimately yeah. have fun watching a streamer with with like smurfed characters or you whatever. just think it's fun it's not actually no, fun but that's how fun you works think it's, it's fun. you thinking no that's how fun works no it's you can be convinced that's what stockholm syndrome exists you can be it's tricked not, into thinking something's no, it fun actually. when it's not fun stockholm, it, stockholm yeah, it syndrome does. Is, no it doesn't it's been debunked but the what i'm saying is fun is 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 you know it's all in your mind like if it is there in your mind then it is real like you can't prove well, then you need a new not, mind I need you well, to. If you don't like having fun, evacuate that's the thing for sure. If you're in a situation where what's fun for you is bad for you, then that's bad, obviously. But the, but you know, just watching somebody opening loot boxes is not bad for you necessarily, unless unless obviously you I mean, have, if you have like addictive personality and stuff like that. That's different. But I guess on realistically, a level, it is the yeah, I, it is like the real blame here is just government. Like it's if, the you just if you just create if you. And, no, and no, if you it's just, the just use just use your government, if you may, if you if a government made loot boxes under the same rules as gambling is, it can't be towards children. It has to be paid taxes for expensive taxes. I and agree. then it becomes unincentivized to do it because you're like, I don't want to pay taxes with government. Fuck the government. I'm going to find another They're monetization so scheme like, They're oh, so they will, it. but they won't have fun. They won't make as much money. Obviously, the, yeah. the target demographic children can't be persuaded into buying it. Like Fortnite loses itself completely if you can't have loot boxes and battle pass systems with children involved. Like they'll just make that's going to be a do, problem. And it's like slightly I'm sure different. They will, it's but, more marketed towards adults, and it's just worth. But if the you same. just make, if you just slowly, cons- if you just slowly make something uh, more and more annoying to do, then people won't do it. And I think you can easily. You can easily find a way to make that possible uh, from a government standpoint. You can definitely legally stranglehold those kind of systems. There's, uh, uh, the problem is this. The, there's no incentive for governments to tax outlaw. Money. No, no, no. No, you're right. You're right in what you're saying. But let me finish. There's no incentive for governments to outlaw uh, scummy practices like uh, microtransactions and stuff like that. Uh, because it doesn't, af- or rather, rather than it not, a- ev- it's not that it doesn't affect the government's bottom line. Is that the tax that they pay is good for the government? So if companies are taxed normally, which they're not, because as we know, Activision actually receives tax refunds instead of paying taxes. But still, as a principle, if it weren't co- more corrupt than it already or than it is normally under capitalism. Um, on principle, governments would be like, "Who? What do I care if these people are exploiting? If these companies are exploiting the, the their users, they're making hand over fist about on money, and I'm getting tax uh, taxes for that. That's good for me as a government, right? So there's no incentive behind the government unless the government is is looking at things from a justice and fairness perspective. 
and obviously if the government is trying to shape the nature and the, the what's the word sort of the the landscape of gaming because obviously microtransactions are fucking up gaming uh but if the government is the one that, okay gaming is bad right now let's do away with microtransactions obviously the government is never going to do that and it, it raises a whole lot of problems especially particularly in the us but everywhere in in uh democratic europe and other places where the governments don't do that because that's a that's a violation of free speech <laughs> you can't just fuck up you can't keep bringing the government to fix gaming that's never gonna happen i wonder when i'm gonna get uh when am i gonna get credit card offers where i can get bonus points for buying loot boxes and battle passes where's my game <laughs> card that's what I'm, I, I feel like I'm, I'm really, no, it doesn't. Because my I Call look of Duty sponsored now, Monster Can credit card. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Just keeps I would, yeah, I would the recycle, layered branding. I, I would recycle Monster Cans and turn them into credit cards for gamers. And, the, and those credit cards are good for like four times points for if you buy loot boxes and battle passes. And you can exchange them four more loot boxes and battle passes that's what the whole points are for to get more loot boxes and battle passes. and then we'll do sponsorship deals that if you like donate 500 bits to a twitch streamer then you can get like four times bonus points or whatever in your card it'll be perfect a gamer credit card that is exactly what we need that's what i'm talking about because if there's one thing that makes thing that ruins everything it's banks and that will be a quick way to ruin something. <laughs> is that the moment you start doing that, then they'll be upset about it. They'll be like, "Wait a second. It's kind of funny that where are you getting all this? Facebook is is like pursuing their own completely detached from reality goal of of getting people to pay for virtual stuff. That like if they synergized with bigger gaming companies at large, Facebook would just wreck shit. It'd be the worst thing. So uh, what I'm referring to is the metaverse. And metaverse is basically a, like a long-term objective of getting people to uh, pay for Farmville forever and, and just, just pay money for things that are not uh, manufactured. They're just digital things, uh, which, as you can imagine, has uh, unlimited profit, profit margin because there's no expense apart from the servers, which Facebook already spends a bunch of money on. It's, on the, anyway. it's the thing that's, that is the horror of Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's supposed yeah. to be, yeah. like it's clearly a bad thing. It's why, it's why I'm always baffled when people are like, "Wow, <laughs> could you imagine if Ready Player One was real?" And I'm like, "No, what? No, the game in Ready Player One is bad. <laughs> it's like the one thing that the movie, the book got right. <laughs> like it's very the bad. Yeah, but like, right? I don't know. I, I didn't watch the movie. School? It's based on Ready Player One. <laughs> oh yeah. What fair. if you could go to high school as the Iron Giant? That would be so cool. Wow, Could that's you so true. You would to never get art? bullied. I wow. don't. I'm not high school age. I can't go to high school. That is the worst yeah, part. Yeah, you can. About no, the, who's going to single... know that you don't belong in high school? You're the Iron Giant. No one knows the, what you actually look like. <laughs> the single thing that most course. makes me regret buying a, a Valve Index is that when you enter the Steam VR thing, the stupid apartment that you spawn in has <laughs> copies of ready player two and the iron giant like statue which is not meant to be the iron giant from the iron giant but the iron giant from the movie of ready player one and i'm like oh no you didn't get the point of the you didn't 
It's not. <laughs> this is not something to emulate. Ready Player One's not something to emulate. The fucking kid in that. That's the the protagonist of that book can't even leave the environment that he spawned in without money, which he doesn't have. Like he has. Wait, like he can't do this whole adventure at first because he can't afford to leave his starting area. Like that's how monetized that game is. It's a fucking nightmare. Well, wow, I can have a skin of a guy, and it's a fucking. We already have this for free in VR chat. What are you doing? Yeah, there is a there is this like really unfortunate uh, misunderstanding that in order for. That in order to upkeep or to maintain the level of progress we keep making in video games, we have to keep enduring bad systems uh, because like, oh, man, yeah, but we're only paying for loot boxes now. But then the next game they make is going to be like even better because of all the money we spent or whatever. And it's but then you like turn around, you look at like indie games that will do something 100, 100 times more uh, cohesive and stronger. It just doesn't look like. Uh, a modern triple a game and you're like man i don't know how this guy alone managed to do something that a whole team of people just couldn't seem to do that's weird i, I wonder what happened to all that loot box money the uh and that's i i feel like that's kind of like what ready player one was is that it's a society that just continually kept running towards this system even though it was bad it was like yeah but it's look how much progress we're making people don't even have to be physically out of school anymore and you're like yeah okay slow down though because there's like you can clearly see that there's some uh not long-term stable like stable circumstances how do, how do we here. make like, sure that yeah, the metaverse like, still has class disparity <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but it's and i mean real metaverse will like they're talking about like shopping at walmart will, or wherever yeah. it's like but okay, but I would love to shop at Walmart on my three hundred dollar VR headset. What the fuck am I gonna be doing? Why would I be shopping at Walmart if I have a Valve Index? I'm not gonna be doing that. That's weird. That is like you don't not, have any more money. Target it costs so much. Yeah, it's not the exactly. It's I'm not the target demographic anymore because I'm literally in poverty. In order to shop in VR, I must put myself into poverty to do it. Why would yeah. I want to do this? It's such a dumb like it is again it is like imagine if everyone imagine if you made a society where everyone had to have a car but cars costed way too much money to have that would be a That's really the bad hours system society. and you could and then, you get, a, you, could then you get a fake car can you get a fake car and <laughs> what a bicycle the, <laughs> like, no, it's the, <laughs> the the metaverse features you buy a picture of a car Don't oh just, oh yeah and they get increasingly expensive. If I go in the, Remember that one time that there was like the a hyper rich person app on on fucking uh, iPad, iPad, uh, iPhones or whatever, where you just got like yeah. a picture of a gemstone for like ten thousand dollars, and that was the app. Yeah, you could wow. buy it. And it was yeah, just called was like I app. am rich yeah. or something. And now that's just unironically where things try to go as much as they can. Like mm-hmm. that one quirk yeah. thing became an entire business practice of like how do we court every whale. The whales from Death Stranding. Boom, full circle back to the beginning of the podcast. Damn, Damn that was fast. I did it. Can't John I Cena, it. something. I am a genius. <laughs> <laughs> Hank Green wrote better books. The uh, and absolutely remarkable things about social media and punditry and radicalization and uh, uh, a beautifully foolish endeavor. The sequel is about the metaverse. Hmm. Nice. 
and I read them, I... and presumably other people did, but I've never met them before. <laughs> never met a single person who has read these books. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I try not to read books as much as I possibly can. <laughs> um, I, I have found that it is only a, a painful experience. But I like reading, but it does take like a certain immersion, which means I need to have a state of mind no and like a lot of yeah. time. And the yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's like, but what about all of my goals? Yeah, is if if your if your head is somewhere else, if you're thinking, if you have to think about other things, for me at least, it's difficult to concentrate into reading. Yeah, and that's why I have an I easier time have with fiction because fiction, you know, <laughs> it's a different thing. So I'm like immersed in in the world of whatever. I just don't I just don't have the time. I've got too many other things I need to consume. I don't have time to consume books too. Like I at some point I have to be a person. <laughs> and that's very that's podcast, very difficult to eat. That's why this podcast I'm, is sponsored by You're right. I'm, we're not sponsored you're right, by you're right there. Yeah, you can you can if you go on Audible right now, you can oh, listen it, to this it. podcast in an audio format. It. We're not sponsored, <laughs> we shouldn't say their name. <laughs> you get the audio book of this podcast. Yeah, yeah, why are you reading it's narrated this podcast? by you Joseph Gordon Levitt? <laughs> Next week we'll be selling a picture of the podcast as an NFT. He's just doing every role. That that would be very exhausting. Yeah, he. I mean, he played himself and Bruce Willis once. So like, he could do a third. He could, I, well, he could pull off a Portuguese I mean, it's not accent. hard to. It's not hard to play Bruce Willis in any. I don't anybody can pretend accent. to be Bruce Willis. <laughs> Speaking of Portuguese, the new Overwatch map is in Portugal. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's got the yeah. color buildings. Uh, it's yeah, funny. All uh, the... I, I don't think <laughs> it's it's uh, uh yeah the colored buildings, but not after our flag is just colorful. The when I went to Spain, Sevilla specifically, there the buildings there they're all red and yellow. It's like the flag everywhere. It's kind of weird. It's like oh, I'm in Spain all of a sudden. It's like going to the U.S. and all the buildings are red, white, and blue. It's just... <laughs> It's really jarring. <laughs> I mean, that's what Washington D.C. looks like. Every building is just the American flag painted over. The American it. flag. It's very confusing. Don't get me wrong. Sevilla is really, really. You good. just fly I, over I really the city and you can see the whole flag. The whole flag. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty cool. I would have to say I'm, I'm willing to pay tax dollars for that. That's like if they color, like if they colored our roofs that way. They could probably arrange the highways. The whole town just looks like a photo collage. The highways would do it because it, it's the the rear of the cars would be the red, the front of the cars would be the white, and the cops would be the blue. There you go. How much how much would it cost to do that? Like I want I want to be able to make I want to be able to write a message uh for space in the United States. I want like they always say that lie that the Great Wall of China is visible from space, which it's not because it is no, but people are. It's not. From space. It's it is not, space is not that far away. Space. You can't. It's not that far away. How visible? Well, you cannot. Okay, if I take a picture of the Earth from the ISS, I can't see the fucking Great Wall of China, which means it's not visible from space. Just because why it, why you're a little you? bit above. The why, satellite you, why that can't takes you see it. Have you seen Google Earth pictures? The satellites fly those, over yeah, the ISS. Those satellites have camera lenses that are insanely big yeah. to zoom in insanely but, close. But Again, it's, it's if in you're space, though. No, I need it so that if I take my iPhone out, 
inside of the ISS and I take a picture from the stupid <laughs> viewport, I can see uh, something on the Earth. If I can't no, do that, could, it doesn't ISS, count. You could you could see the so, yeah, I'm sure you could see the the you cannot okay. see the Great Wall of China because I have seen the stupid I've been picture there. of China I've from been the, on the ISS, ISS. <laughs> and you cannot see it. I promise the you, ISS it's flies not visible. Low. It's only like 400 kilometers above. The and you still Earth. can't see the stupid bridge because guess what? The Great Wall of China isn't very colorful. It's not it very easy true. to see a fucking brown object on the Earth. Like yeah. shit. <laughs> like what a bad design. So I would like to create a giant billboard that exists for space but i want to take up a huge basically all of the united states uh i want it from the start to the end and i want to be able to see that like read a message from space and i want that message to say turn around now this is your last chance and i want that to be there so that any aliens that show up they get a they easy don't speak warning english. so they don't they, they don't, don't have to that. speak english they have technology that can speak english it's fine no, don't. And it's then, not like transformers I'm sure it will Trans be like Transformers. It'll be just no. like Transformers. And tell I don't have that it's not like Transformers. I'm telling you, yeah, every looked, alien has evil chromosomes. I looked it up out of curiosity, and like the fucking the Great Wall of China is not. It's not big. It's very it's long, obviously. Kilometers. Yeah. yeah, it's very yeah. long. It's long, but it's, it's not very big. Not it's big, thin. Though. How would you see it? It's a wall. <laughs> how do you? How big do you think it would be? It's like I'm just narrow. Mean, like, it's, I mean, I would, I would more expect to see the pyramids from space than the Great Wall of China. Like it's so you thin that you would immediately yeah, yeah. not see it. It's true. You um, can probably I'm, see like highways and things a lot better than the. Yeah, the I'm Great looking wall. at the Great Wall of China. I'm like, I, most roads are bigger than this. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like how is. This is not remarkable as far as being visible from space. This is remarkable for several not other mention, reasons, but like that's not what it would be good at. There's also anyway, you were talking about the evil chromosomes, a call back to us watching Transformers 5 in theaters with Joe. The evil chromosomes? Great. Is that a... It affected yeah, us with those, his evil the, chromosomes the, is a real line from yeah, the that line. I, and that's oh, the moment no. where I never watched another Transformers movie. Yeah, de uh, Decepticons oh. have evil chromosomes. Well, specifically Megatron has evil chromosomes. Yeah, oh, I was Transformers too. Even though they're robots. Even though they're robots. Look, everything can have chromosomes. It's pretty uh, I only watched one, two, and four, and I regretted it every they time. Sell, they sell chromosomes in like they sell chromosomes in like little packets. You can just, you know, you know, glue them to the, your skin and it's just like you have chromosomes now. I don't think that's how that works. And then <laughs> you wake up in the in the next morning, and the, the patch is all on dirty. Chromosomes. The, yeah. It's like Wouldn't that mean that tobacco. atoms have chromosomes? Atoms, atoms don't have chromosomes, but that's because they haven't evolved yet. Maybe. But atoms make up me, which means they have to have chromosomes, because I'm made of chromosomes. I, it's like, it's the, like working class. <laughs> There's a sort of operations the, here that you got reversed. <laughs> it's like the so working atoms, class. The working class make the iPhone, but they don't have the iPhone. It's the people who but atoms the, together joined create a chromosome. So obviously atoms have chromosomes. It Keith, tell tell Andrew that it's not like that. <laughs> I mean, see the see the thirty minute uh, highlight or compilation or whatever called Back to School with Andrew. <laughs> I've I've made my efforts. Mm. I've put my time in. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just moments I'm of just zero saying. escape where I, have to, where I explain scientific concepts to Andrew and 
for seemingly the first time. <laughs> well, look, it's not like I'm going to learn this stuff in public school. Don't I worry. mean, yeah, people not grasping basic science could have, but uh, no, because they don't get paid enough to give me enough attention to teach me anything, and I wasn't going to pay attention because it's free. You can't lose money on not paying attention oh, in school. That, it's a free thing. Is that the reason? I'm not going to pay attention well, yeah, to school. I mean, it's not even a battle pass. Yeah, exactly. What this am I? I'm not even version. leveling up. DLC? He was on the yeah, free track of school, so he didn't get any of the. Uh, yeah, why would I care? <laughs> what was the point? All I get this is like is a so grade up stupid. every couple of years. I don't want that. Like, if you go to private school, at least you get like new outfits and stuff. So. All I'm saying you is I'm not going to put any effort. You don't have to buy them? Yeah. Uh, well, you have to, yeah, you buy the battle pass, too. You don't get a free oh, yeah. battle pass. So. Well, you do if you live in the 60s. Put, did you if know my parents put me US? through uh, battle pass school, I would be fine. But I didn't go to battle pass school, so I didn't pay attention. Did you know that in the U.S. in the 60s, tuition adjusted for inflation was in less than $1,000 a year? Yeah, but did they have? Uh, wait, when we, when did uh, adjusted for inflation? Uh, We're talking about adjusted for inflation, <laughs> going to a high like a a proper school. The re and the, the interesting thing is, uh, like this sounds unbelievable, but actually the relationship between high tuition and uh, in the US in specific, uh, between high tuition and affordability, or rather, um, the 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 reason why tuition is high right now is just to make sure that the correct people go to high uh, go to university well, and stuff like that. Wait, wasn't because it... It, instead of back then, it was only the people who actually qualified for for university. So you you know it'd be fine because you know the 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 plebs don't they can't qualify because they don't have the the smarts. Also, it was in the sixties, so the black people also wouldn't because they're black. Uh, I was gonna say, wasn't segregation like super yeah, yeah. like super strong? So that, still? that did so the that, work. I mean, it. that's. That did the work, well, and so why after it was segregation, so cheap. and yeah, exactly. And after segregation, and after yeah. the the like the the bettering of public education, more and more people <laughs> who weren't rich were able to qualify for university. So yeah, let's just bring up the price because that way, it's still only the rich that can attend. And obviously, things change a little, but still, so we these got days it's one I, hour I really... into the podcast. We got our first live question. Yes. They eventually, oh, cool. was it did it. It was yeah, a, why it. why are Who's video game romances to... so bad, and how would you fix them? <laughs> hmm. That's very true. I like that. I like that question. They the, are really bad. I'm, I'm I. What's funny is that I went to I was at PAX and there was a panel about this, and I mm. didn't oh, yeah. go to it. <laughs> oh damn! You it was on learn. It was on my schedule, uh, but I, I think Toaster had a Guilty Gear tournament at the same time, so I went to that. Yeah, fair enough. And then it was like, well, there goes that. Because the, the panels, there's uh, enough panels that they happen at the same time. They're they're competing for attention. Yeah, I would say the solution here is if you're allowed to customize your romance. Like, if you're allowed to choose no. what the person you're romancing looks like, I think that would make video game romances a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is the solution. They just need to be gayer. I mean, that would, yeah. That's like That's half the Yeah, problem. but it's, but you, but it's video game writing. It's never going to be good. You're not going to enjoy the representation you're going to get. It's always going to be, like, hollow, shallow, no. and sad. Because video game writing is cartoonish. It's like, Queer it's like romance children, is but always better written. 
Like, it's so much more common for queer romance to be better written than straight romance in video games. And not, I mean, a lot of times it's just indie. Other. Like, somebody gets the chance to just write stuff themselves is tends to be something that goes better than uh, yeah. something written by other people and whatnot. But, like, also, like, romance is weird because, like, it, there's, there's so many caveats you've got to put in here about what you even mean by a video game romance and what you mean by video game. Because obviously, you're like, talking like Bioshock or a VN. Because that's, 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 that's what I'm about to say. Yeah, like, there are so many visual <laughs> novels that are very specifically much better at this kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Partly because it's one per, it's often one person's uncompromised version of the story they're trying to tell, and they can have whatever representation they want without having to like get through a factory process bullshit of like people being like, "Well, that's not marketable" or whatever. But it's also like. <laughs> There's also, like, a lack of gameplay in visual novels, because there's just the question of just, like, how do you, like, systemize the romance? Which, in Bioware's version, for example, and in a bunch of other games' versions, it's often, like, how do I... I need to make, like, a meter. This person has a meter that's either visible or invisible, <laughs> and you, like, make the right dialogue choices and or give them gifts to, like, hit some threshold, and then it's like, now you get to see the cutscene. And so there's... I guess there's I an did, issue, which is that, yeah. like, we have almost no... We have extremely limited uh, interactive storytelling in video games in general. So, like, mm-hmm. even in games that are interactive video games, like an RPG, like a Bioware game or whatever, uh, when you get to this part of the game, you end up just unlocking a series of pre-written cutscenes anyway. Like, it, like the best writing is in visual novels, and then every other game when it's having its best writing is often basically being a visual novel in the middle of being another game. Like you just watch the story play out anyway. I, yeah, I agree with this. I think I'm, I just like, it's not necessarily always like that though. Like for example, I, I, I felt that Thane, I don't know that Thane is in mass effect two is romanceable Uh, or easy. No, he is right. You just don't get a sex scene with him. Um, but I thought that Thane was really interesting, uh, interestingly written in Mass Effect 2 as in his relationship, romance, romantic or not, his relationship with Shepard, um, was interestingly written because it came across, despite I have some, some problems with Thane. And if you're forgetting who Thane is, um, it's the fish person who has a perfect memory and whatnot. He's an assassin or something. Um, but his his dialogue was very earnest and very um, vulnerable. By design, it was desi- it was written as a vulnerable writing, and I think that is the biggest problem of uh, of cliche romance is that the writers don't allow themselves to be vulnerable themselves as writers as people, and yeah. so the writing comes across as either uh, functional or maybe utilitarian might be a better word where in some games it's just a means to, like, for example, uh, The Witcher 3 has uh, romance where the writing is just to get to the sex scenes, and it is written like that. Um, so that that's one side effect of the writers not being vulnerable. The other side effect, or the other possible side effect, is instead of being uh, functional writing, it's cringy <laughs> writing. Things like bad jokes or or like pandering to, to an audience that already has memetically... Uh, ingrained jokes about whatever is going on uh and i see that every once in a while like um well i I, i'll 
I always I, I go back a little to Wind Waker. Is it Wind Waker? The one where you can fly, Keith? That's Skyward Sword. Um no Wind Skyward Sword. Yeah, that's Skyward Sword. Yeah. Uh in yeah, Wind Waker is the one where you can uh row. Uh I think. In uh in Skyward Sword there's a line uh and obviously uh, Zelda is a is, is a relatively romance light um series uh, as as games. It doesn't have much romance, but what is there is written in very Zelda has very... romance? Yeah, of course. Ah. It's just what? I f I found the image of uh female shepherd and Th and Thane uh hugging and, and cuddling in bed. But Thane has mm. those massive that massive collar around him. Oh this pop <laughs> collar. So it just yeah. stabs yeah, so straight just through her face. <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah, they yeah. could they couldn't have planned based on like what he looks like that animation oh my god especially because it's the only per that's the only that's the, this yeah, is the legendary the edition uh, wait isn't no, that what, a what i was gonna say about movie? but uh, i went to check and yes you do you do romance thing yeah uh what i was gonna say about uh, skyward sword is that the there's one line where uh I don't remember the name of the character, but there's there's Link's rival, and he's he's saying, "Oh, I'm gonna win this tournament, and then I'm gonna have a special moment with with Zelda in the Cloud Top Temple or something to that extent." And <laughs> Zelda reacts, "A special moment? What are you talking about?" Uh, which I thought was interesting because she she didn't say, "Uh, you're gonna you're gonna have with me, or you're uh, why why are why would I be with you or something to that extent?" She said she was specifically objecting to the fact that it was going to be a special moment, and so I made a comment in Keith's video about Zelda being uh, canonically aromantic, uh, which they are written like that. The romance of Link and Zelda is written in an aromantic way, whether it's uh, it's it's definitely not on purpose in the old games, but it's written like that because the, there's a conscious decision to make this for kids and let's not make this very adult the the side effect is that the the writers they're not letting themselves be honest about what they're writing and so the end result is that it's very weird that zelda would object specifically to it being a special moment rather than to being with him or to being with her or she liking link or whatever um but that, that's just like one of the things it's like if you want to write good romance you need it needs to come from a vulnerable place it doesn't have to come from the heart in the sense of that you don't have to feel those emotions yourself you can think them up and like strategize and do all the normal things that writers do uh you don't need to be in love to write romance but you need to be honest you need to be like at least unless you're like a really really good writer then maybe honesty doesn't matter anymore but when does that happen in video games right so it just it just needs to come across as honest it's like i I don't know. I mean, it's just so common. I, for, the, the vulnerability is very important. Like that's part of a lot of intimacy is vulnerability and trust and being very sincere with somebody. And mm -hmm. that is a struggle with video games because one, it's very difficult for almost any game to characterize any character, especially player characters, as being like fully people outside of like the last of us and some other games like it often very much it's often a struggle to make the player avatar feel like a complex character to begin with and then if you make mm -hmm. them a role-playing character they're a weird blank slate that doesn't feel like a person at all and like mm -hmm. you can't really like be like oh here's my 
my deepest insecurities and struggles and so on when it's like a weird like I picked one of three backstories for Commander Shepard. He was a spacer and like like there's no like you're just like picking options from somebody else's list and making like a weird Lego character and so like they never feel like an equal half. So it's like the it ends up being a situation where like the best you can do is expose a lot about the other person which is what sometimes what mass effect does with characters like thane or jack yeah, and yeah. so on or even even sarah from dragon age inquisition i think uh i think i didn't play i never i didn't play as a lady so i couldn't go down that path but like there are characters that you can develop oh, more and more mm-hmm. and uh like that breakthrough of like the the point where you have one understanding of a character and then by the end of the romance arc, you have a completely different understanding of that character. Like, that's the one of the best things you can do. Especially since you can't actually <clears throat> directly interface. Like, you can't admit your own insecurities and push past those things in a video game in the direct way. But I think that's why queer romance works so well in video games that do have it. Is because... Mm-hmm you're filtering down your audience and character to be closer together just by the sheer factor of like who's going to play this game and so on and so you end up with these really specific things that are more relatable to everybody because you're filtering down to just the people that will have those feelings then you can deal with that like uh at astra very specifically deals with emotions with amicus and him having a difficult past of like hiding himself and who he is and having one moment where he made the mistake of trusting somebody and being punished for that and like the trauma that lingers from that to the point where like by the time you get to the end of the game that there's an option to of whether he's going to top or bottom and that's just like the go-to like oh let's just pick a sex scene moment that's in a lot of games but like that has so much resonance to his character and what was leading up to that point that it's actually a really important choice and the, just the fact that it's even there is a huge step for his character based on all the context that was built up to that point and that's like that's actual writing that's people and he, he that's humans ironically even though it's a wolf <laughs> yeah i think I well visual novels have the advantage of being able to put so much more thought into the player character that role-playing games don't just out of the nature of your characters can well role-playing games can have your characters say a lot of things as well but like marco in in adastra just says so many things and it happens in visual novels as well where like the, one of the details that i noticed and i was paying attention in adastra specifically i was paying attention to um like the the more utilitarian ways of conveying meaning behind the writing one of the things is how, when he and how he starts to use the expression my wolf when referring to um, Amicus. And yeah. like that tells a story, just that little detail. But it, 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 it's in all in, the, in a mic, in mixture of a lot of things. And you can't do that as easily like or rather you can do that in, in role playing games, but it, you can't just sneak that in there. It needs to be it's either very blatant to the player because you're choosing that line. Or you have a system where maybe it's a little bit like The Witcher, where your your player character just says things without you having them selected, which I think also works. And I think it's one of the reasons why The Witcher, specifically The Witcher Three, romantic scenes work well, is because it's just out of your hands. You just they can do whatever. 
instead of like maybe Baldur's Gate 2, for example, Jahira um, has is probably considered to be one of the best romances of um, old school RPGs. But her not only is it very difficult to get to the end of that romance, a lot of the difficulty comes from the fact that you have to choose the right options. So it's like you have to start saying my wolf even to yourself uh, at the right time in, in Adastra. Otherwise, you don't get the good ending or you don't <laughs> get the uh, romantic ending. You know what I mean? Which I think if in a short game that works, like the, uh, the notion of maybe getting different reactions out of a diff uh, the same person based on your actions or based on the person you're role-playing, I think that's fine as well. It's just that romance doesn't work like that. Uh, often, like people love each other uh, at the knife's edge. I get, the, I get the feeling that like people develop feelings for each other, and then if one thing doesn't work quite as it the same as it, or if one thing is different, maybe there it is that they're not lovers anymore, or like it's all about it's all in the details. I am very like romance agnostic when it comes to video games i do not engage or... your primary verb is shoot character in face <laughs> yeah i mean it will because most like, games oh this guy seems to have lines i know how to fix this <laughs> yeah most most of the time that i play games that have romance they're rpgs and in rpgs my go-to is just is full chaotic is always just a, a, a like i've said it's just god mode so like it it I think the only time I've ever interacted with a romance was before this mindset, which was like Mass Effect. And even then, the only character I think I romanced was Tali because it was the least like the least romantic character to romance. It was like she didn't really do much or didn't like say much about it. It wasn't really a, a lot of effort yeah. like it was with the other characters. It like you didn't. It, yeah, there just wasn't a lot involved because obviously she can't really do anything. Um, and so you're just kind of like, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, we like each other, whatever. And then you just move on from it. You don't have to deal with it anymore. Um, whereas like a visual novel, you would obviously a visual novel. You the, the goal is to go out with somebody. That's usually the, the the whole point. So, and even still, it's not that I'm invested in that character. It's that like I'm treating it as if it's that's the that's how you beat it. It's like, oh, you need to go down this route to win. To it's not that I'm invested romance. in the character. Yeah, exactly. I treat it like like in a game, I'm playing a game and games need to be won. And that's like the way that my brain goes about it. So romance is just like a like a mission. It's a side quest like, ah, it's, I just got to deal with you and then we'll be done with this. Like, it's not about getting invested. It's about like, what what can I do to get you to not interact with me any more than possible? If that involves completing your quest, let's get it done and then goodbye. And then I'm going to go back to doing the thing that I'm here for, which is the video game. And like, I wonder it just like you're right in doing that though andrew's straight up like i will defeat this romance in the marketplace of ideas <laughs> but <laughs> games do that games force you to think like well not force you but they train us to to think like that uh well like the last time i played knights of the old republic the original one um i at my character um i was trying i'm trying to remember my motivation but i specifically didn't go for for uh Bastila as a as a romance option I said no no it's, it's no yeah but the thing is like she's written as the main romance and me choosing to not go for that romance leads to such cringy moments and it's so bad 
It's like bordering <laughs> on nonsense. The game is like strangely written like you romanced her already. Yeah. <laughs> but like, <laughs> it's blatantly, the game is meant, written with, of course people are going to romance Basila. Have you seen her nose? Because... <laughs> I like how they, like what, what you just you just sound like you have a a really weird like uh what like parasocial relationship with this person like you you act it's like so... you know too much like you you're so involved yeah, in yeah. their life or whatever but this person's like I don't even know you what do you want yeah yeah <laughs> like, exactly my let's play was like lady lady this is a Wendy's I don't know what you're talking about and I just moved on I don't know um I I think uh, I I don't remember I. I don't remember at the time. I think I wanted my character to, to to be gay, and I wanted to be to try and see if there were there was a gay romance in that game. There isn't. Uh, There's an accidental way, gay romance in that game. Oh yeah, but my character what? was man. Accidental? So. Yeah. You just stumble upon yeah. it? Oh, oh, oh no, god! I didn't you, even realize. No. Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, if you play a woman, you can romance the cat lady, and that, that's as far as I'm aware. That's a mistake. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. That is just, that's the actually games just came out half broken. Like that was just that was uh, kind of always been normal. That used to be, that used to be a really important reason I chose female characters in games was because I knew they didn't get romance options, uh, <laughs> no. because they were usually they excluded did, from it. Where, but well, most games were primarily games. built, yeah, like for most men, games, yeah, yeah. Not, like not for obviously men. not Bioshock or whatever or Bioware games, but uh, mm -hmm. Bioware games obviously didn't care. But a lot of games like. Very were particular about like males get a huge amount of romance options and women get like one, and it's yeah. so it is so nice because you can just ignore a whole chunk of this like system. You're just like I don't have to give a shit. I don't even have to interact with that one person that I like because it, they're probably like some side character. I have to go out of my way for haha, and I can just keep running through it. And like like cyberpunk was like that, which was nice. Cyberpunk was very much like here's. Like there are two ladies you can go after and that and then one guy and like, OK, well, I'm not going to go after the guy, obviously, because he's like some side character I have to deal with. And the other two, I can easily just just bounce around. I don't have to deal like they're all like, oh, get really in depth. It's like, I don't got to deal with that. And I can just bounce away from it. So it was really nice. Like none of these weird, awkward, like, yeah, you're I don't know, it almost feels on... like you're forced. I yeah, yeah exactly. You're touching on, a, on yeah, a very important point is that. I don't I don't want to like, I don't want to deal with it but there's not like a turn off romance options. You can't be like, "Hey, none of that, please." And like that would there, be great. I wish I there's you a, know, for getting representation, can we get like a a romantic a, a romantics uh uh what's it called? representation? I want the like the toggle in my settings the, menu the, to just turn it all off. <laughs> the thing with a romantic representation and obviously I only speak for myself um is that the biggest obstacle or rather it's not an obstacle but like the biggest representation you can get for aromantic people is to do away with the societal pressure of people romancing each other. And that happens in video well, there's games. Nothing, yeah, I was going to say, there's nothing more pressuring than someone telling you it's a mission. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but like, so how are you going to get to that point where... Well, like, I've seen... Like, I've played amazing games that have zero romance. Pillars of Eternity 1, for example. I think Pillars of Eternity 2 also doesn't have romance. Um... Pills of Eternity 1 doesn't have romance and has some very, very touching scenes with certain characters. And like Bioshock doesn't have romance. It's very nice. Well, it's a it's an adventure thing, so it's it's I mean, listen, it were... it's a love between one man and injecting himself full of plasmids. <laughs> a lot of penetration. Yeah, fair, fair. <laughs> no, wrong I don't response. Think that's fair. I think that's a very yeah, I think that's a very <laughs> 
I mean, it's a very overly generous interpretation of what <laughs> plasmids are. <laughs> Imagine like sensual music comes out of the stupid plasma uh, dispenser or whatever. Yeah, like it just like a saxophone plays while you uh, order your plasmid, put it in your arm, and like flowers That's come falling out of the top. Teams. Yeah, George so Michael. I, at, I actually something. got to What's see. Yeah, I got to see a uh, George Michael. I think or careless whisper. I know it's George Michael, but what? which song? Which song is it? Careless Whisper. The, the saxophone. Oh, yes, yeah, one, yeah. yeah. I was going to use it as a gag in the Lego Sheet video, but I forgot. Uh, God dang it. There's so many moving parts. Gonna keep, it was, it's going to have the uh, the pink hearts on screen, and then like, and, and it's going to say in cursive, like, they're just friends while that song's playing. Uh, Congratulations mm. on the half a million views, by the way. Hey, numbers. All the numbers. <laughs> It's interesting, it's interesting this to be in the downhill part of my life where I've already I've done the most impactful thing I'll ever do and it's just over now. <laughs> and so I just, no, now, I just now I just ride the rest of my <laughs> life out. Like there we go. Just you wait until the next uh, the next one about a dash. It's gonna do numbers like nobody. It might do numbers, but I mean, it won't be as important. Like that was that video. I don't know. Uh, it's I, I ended up pulling something off that like led to audience reactions that will not be replicated. Like it. Keep, it's you like, don't know that. It has had a bizarre effect on just so many people's lives in a way that is difficult to emotionally process. Imagine well, how much, like how much H uh, pain you're going to cause people with your next one. That's think about the, it like this: Zero Escape is garbage. Bomber his guy, wife. H Bomber guy released there the Fallout Three sucks video, and it was like what it was. And then a few years later, he was on a live stream raising millions of dollars for charity with uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Josh Sir and a bunch of other things. So, you know, it's going to happen yeah, to you as well. Yeah, just we'll just we'll set the expectations high now. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, disappoint ourselves I, I'm <laughs> confident. I'm pretty confident that someday in the future, you will beat Donkey Kong Country 64 and have a, a moderately okay time with it and that's the expectation i will have everything else oh. if you have dissociated <laughs> i ever want to play that game, that game looks so bad. No charity over any game it's fine we don't have to do it over donkey kong <coughs> make Andrew could you could you do it over a clicker perfect game? dark on dark difficulty with me oh my god Did, didn't we already do that or what did i we think play we did on? perfect agent perfect Oh my god, Jesus, what oh, is I fucking right now going to be like on dark difficulty? I think there was a hard difficulty that whole time, but we were like, no. Fuck, is he no. going to just teleport to us? What the fuck? Nothing like, personal, straight kid. up do a... He's just going to like Dragon Ball teleport right behind us and shoot us every time we start the fucking map. <laughs> we have to like be ready to do weird counters to characters because they just like show up out of nowhere. Oh but my it, god, no. It's gonna but be it's, so it's interesting that you're bringing up... Uh, we kept bringing up KOTOR and Baldur's Gate and stuff. I saw a panel by the guy who wrote those games, the lead writer, mm -hmm. that was just like the lead writer of Bioware all the way up to like Dragon Age Inquisition or something, and then he left. Uh, Gay there? But he wasn't the lead... No, which one was it? Sam, Sam? I don't... I'm bad at names. I don't remember the names either. It's not Mike? Mass Effect yeah. author. Because <laughs> Mass Effect, yeah, Mass Effect was be... very specifically written by a different person, but... Yeah. This guy worked on uh, he worked on Baldur's Gate and he worked on Kotor and he worked on Dragon Age, and uh, he didn't want to be an, a writer, so that's an interesting starting point. <laughs> he got fired <laughs> from his job, so he accepted this this job as a writer, and he was basically just known 
for the sheer quantity of writing that he could put out. Like he could just, he was just a workhorse that could just get so much done so quickly. And that's like his, that's like half the reason he has his job is seemingly is like his ability to do that. Uh, so like just the, it was interesting just hearing about his process with some of the stuff and, and the mess that is a lot of these games. And like, if you ever wonder like, like the the question of like like why are games like that? It's like the actual corporate structure behind how games get make made is so messy and weird. Like half the people making the games don't have any control over how weird they turn out. And one of the yeah. elements of this was that, uh, like back then they would just write entire characters and then they'd get cut. So like those entire party members that just never came out for old, like Baldur's Gate and KOTOR and so on and like and there's this whole thing where in the early days when they had voice acting uh they did not cast the voice actors they wrote mm -hmm. the game and then just some like a third party took care of the entire process and so like there's like like for example there's a I guess there's a Baldur's Gate character that was some kind of elf or something. And like, is it Emoen? This character got completely hero? cut from the game and oh. has never existed because, like, I think they were supposed to be like a dark elf, but the uh, the voice actor that they that the the company got that's completely out of their control thought that that basically meant Keebler elf. So <laughs> so he they got like this like, it's like, oh my god, it is voice like for this character that's oh, supposed to be like a, some kind of drow or something. So it's yeah. like they just they that's it. Carve that entire piece of the game out and delete it. <laughs> like you can't keep that part of the game because they're not gonna. I wonder get if a that's where actor. Viconia came from. Because Viconia is a character that shows up a little in the original Baldur's Gate, but then she's a prominent character in Baldur's Gate too, and she uh, she's a dark elf as well. It's just fascinating to hear about this mess and suddenly you look back and you're like, okay, that's that's how you fucked up the cat lady and like made like accidentally switched her romance settings and whatnot. Like games are yeah. barely made. <laughs> I think the, the person you're the person you're talking about is James Olin. For, uh, for I, I, I think you. the character I'm talking about is not a character anyone would know. No, no, like, no. I, the I person, don't think it's a noble character. Sorry, the the designer, the writer, the person who did the talking. I don't know. I'm so bad with names. I was looking at the credits and things. He also worked in Neverwinter Nights, which features some of the worst writing I've seen from Bioware. <laughs> I know there's a lot of people who love Neverwinter Nights, and it's fine. It's all totally fine. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't have bad writing. It is awful. <laughs> That's I, I'm talking about the original game, not the expansions. I haven't played them yet. Think of all the money that went into making that. You're going to call it bad? Neverwinter Nights was such a tremendous thing because it was the first 3D game by, by Bioware. It was marketed among certain circles as the next Baldur's Gate, where it clearly wasn't. It played like a... It played like a Diablo game, honestly, a little, with, with party members. Uh, like companions, just one companion or two, I think. And he's just like such a su such a split from Baldur's Gate, and obviously it shaped 
Knights of the Old Republic because it's the same engine and it plays kind of like Knights of the Old Republic. Bioware has always been the his kind of name was that... David Gator. Oh, it's Gator. Oh, I thought he was. I thought yeah. He worked on Baldur's Gate Two. How do you not Shadows of Om? Remember Throne of Gator? Bow. I don't remember anybody's names. <laughs> He's super influential. He's uh. Names are hard. I don't. Yeah. Fifty people worked on every game. I vaguely remember Drew Caption. I think is the is the Mass Effect guy. And it's mm -hmm. mostly just from the news of him quitting over and over again or whatever. Or like, I feel like every time yeah. I hear about anything about Bioware, it's like, lead writer quits, uh, the doctors yes. quit or whatever. Like, the, the guys that lead Bioware are the, known as the doctors. <laughs> really? Yes, because they're oh, two what? doctors. I didn't know that. They quit? Wait, the guys that lead Bioware quit? I, th I, th I feel like it's happened multiple times. I keep hearing news about all the important people of Bioware quitting with such frequency that it feels like I hear about the same people quitting again years later, and I'm like, I don't understand. I understand yeah. what's happening. <laughs> Dragon Age 4. I'm looking it up right now, see what the latest news are, because I know I've seen this, the, the same person quit this de game's development twice. Because that, that's a... Oh, it's now called Dragon Age Dreadwolf. Yeah. Maybe Microsoft is going to make them. No, wait. Microsoft is not buying Electronic Arts. Microsoft is buying Activision Blizzard. That's the one. Who is buying Electronic Arts? Uh, no, it was Activision got bought by Microsoft, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, still is somebody, the is somebody buying EA? Yeah, they were. Um... Uh, there's rumors, anyway, that they're trying to find a, a, a buyer. Soon, well, I'll say buyer, just but the most entire likely. industry will be one company. Yeah. As It'll long as it's not Disney. Video games. Video games. They should sell themselves to the Nestle Corporation. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Can you imagine if it's both... No, wait, Ubisoft is still independent, but both EA and B Blizzard in under the same umbrella. It's that's the level of crappiness. Ubisoft really would just complete the triumvirate of shit. No, well, actually, Rockstar would also be needed to be included in that and Square Enix. There's a lot of shit companies. This podcast is sponsored by a company that we haven't badmouthed yet. Uh, what do we talk about on this podcast? Um, well, the, well, this the questions is a, that this was a viewer's ask. fault. So yeah, no, they're blowing it. I was like, let's stream and we'll just answer viewer questions. And we've had like one question that wasn't whose person will you play game? I'm like, this is this is not. That's not what we're going for. Thank we got like a half an hour out of the romance question, but we got another. We got more questions in here now. Uh, what I'm do you feel about them. the current state of the puzzle game genre, and what were the last puzzle games that really scratched the itch? Um, I mean, there's a fucking lot of puzzle games, so I, I think it's it's. I feel like it's probably doing better than ever before because there's actually an indie market for what is a niche 
uh, mark a niche genre. Like it was kind of a big ask to like figure out like oh like back in like the PlayStation era or whatever the fuck like you had to like figure out how to make your puzzle game marketable enough to to be viable to print discs and so on. Granted, mm-hmm. games were also cheaper back then, so like the idea of being profitable was just a lot easier. There were definitely weird games, like just very, very strange games back then, uh, just across the board, which is something I liked. But uh, especially as you got into like the, I feel like especially the like the 360 era, like the genre disappeared. It was just not there for a while. Like you basically had Portal, and a lot of shooters like the idea of like like the 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 price floor got so high that you wouldn't have published games in that genre until you had basically like like braid and limbo for a bit and then slowly we had this blooming like indie market that could be sold separately and that's like where the genre existed which is interesting because once upon a time a puzzle game was the top-selling video game of all time. So that's Tetris missed. No, because Tetris would also be a puzzle game. I guess so. <laughs> I don't know how Tetris. Oh, how does te- Tetris? I feel I like mean, you, I feel like you usually have to cheat and you have to combine all of the sales of all of the Tetris games or something. It's literally called what? the Tetris puzzle. Yeah, it is a puzzle game. It just may not. I mean, I wouldn't no, say I'm it's saying the most when you when you when you talk about the the sales of Tetris, I think they usually cheat and converge all of the different Tetris games together into one stat. Oh, mm. I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they usually do. Yeah, puzzle games were all the rage in the 90s. Which makes sense. I mean, you get a lot of longevity out of them, which means that it's they're relatively easy to make for people to keep entertained by the same game for a while. You know what I mean? Like, I think it like when memory is a problem, storage in your whatever medium you're trying to sell. Even though Mist was always wild in the in terms of how big the the files were, but it's easier for companies to just make a longish game without having to work on levels or enemy AI and stuff like that. I'm trying to think. I, like, I, uh, I would. Hmm. I don't play puzzle games uh. much, uh, but I I tried to buy a Monsters Expedition the other day for the Steam Deck, and it doesn't work on Steam Deck. And I'm like, Aw. oh, weird. Then <laughs> I don't want it. Then I'm not gonna play it on my PC. It's I wonder why that doesn't I'm work on Steam Deck. Somewhere. That's strange. Yeah, it's probably not. Um, Get on that, Hazaldic and friends, or whatever you're called. I know you follow yeah. me on Twitter. Does not mean <laughs> that, you, which does not mean that you're uh, watching this podcast. Well, I need to make a Twitter. I'm, twi- I'm like, thing. I'm trying to find the last puzzle game Drachnet I played. and friends. I like, think of I, I guess. I, I, thinking of? I guess technically the last puzzle game I played was like Escape Simulator. Alan Hazelden. There we go. I, I, I combined his 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 uh, company name and his real name. <laughs> Hazelneck. Hazel, whatever the fuck I said. 
Yeah, Monster's Expedition looks really good, and it feels it feels like it would be really fun to mess around with. I do I like I do play Sudoku though, and so it's a puzzle, but it's like a very specialized kind of puzzle. You like to play one puzzle a lot, and you're like, keep randomizing this forever, please. I would like no future, no further puzzles. That's not how it works. You can have variant Sudoku. <laughs> it doesn't even I... be the same. I would say it depends like the I I don't think that puzzle games are like I don't think the genre's dead I just think it's a very big genre now I think that yeah it, uh, I would say there used to be a lot less options for puzzle games and now there are a lot more options for puzzle games and I think it I don't I, I don't know if it's bad or worse because there's so many I don't think the quality of the games have gotten any worse or any better than they used to be. I think they're just, it's still just like sometimes you'll find a puzzle game that you really click with and have a great time with. And sometimes you'll find a puzzle game that makes you wish puzzles didn't exist anymore. <laughs> and then there are just puzzle games that just work, that they're fun, but they're not like, and they're not engrossing. They're not something you're like, I'm thinking about it every day. They're just like a puzzle you go in and you do a little puzzle for like a crossword puzzle type deal. Where you go in, you do your daily, and you walk away, and you're like, well, that was fun, I guess. Like, it just, I think there's just more access to puzzle games now. I, I guess that's the way I would say it. I, th I think the current state is positive because there's a lot more access to puzzle games than there used to be. You can find them on every console, even on mobile. You can find them pretty much fucking anywhere now. And the quality of, of cool them ones. is good. Yeah, and there's like a lot of cool. Like, like the room is always like my go-to example of. Oh like, yeah, the room games. I can't believe this is on mobile. Like this is a mobile game, but it's also on PC. What the fuck? How did that happen? That looks. It looks so much fun, uh, or it is such a fun game. It even like on mobile, it's not. It's it is a fun game on mobile too. Like that is amazing. But yeah, just the the the, the sheer quantity and accessibility to puzzle games, I would say, is just makes the puzzle genre great. But. I couldn't tell you what was the last one that scratched like the the puzzle itch for me, the one where I'm like, oh yes, finally, I I I feel like I have uh, feel good about completing this. I can tell you the like the last time I hated puzzles existing, but I can't tell you like the last time I like felt <laughs> like a puzzle game hit me the right way, where it was like, oh yes, I can get consumed by this if I'm not careful. Was it uh, Fidel Dungeon but, Rescue? Was a very cool riff on like they took the. The witness style line drawing approach to puzzles and mixed it with like mm. roguelike dungeon design and so on and randomized that and it was like very challenging and you had to you had to move yeah. relatively quickly because you had a timer built into it and it was just like a real process to get through i think i never actually beat it because it was actually very hard uh the dragnet games are all I pretty good Baba is, Baba is You was very popular when it came out. I think people yeah. still talk about it. Yeah, Baba is You is very, very good. Uh, Return of the Oberdin is one of my personal favorites. Oh, yeah, that's that's really good. I was not expecting the developer of uh, Papers, Please to surprise me with something that I liked even more than their previous game. Like, it was... Papers, Please is really good as well. Fantastically good. Is it a good. puzzle game? No, <clears throat> Papers, Please? Papers, Please? Uh... Because uh, if that's a puzzle game, then like cooking delicious serving sausage and stuff. Well, I'm saying like Oberdin's a puzzle game, and I was surprised that oh, yeah, yeah. the person that made Papers Please like one up to that. But no, mm -hmm. I, I think I think Papers Please counts as a simulator. Yeah, it's more like that, isn't it? 
which is a nebulous thing, but there, there's a lot of like, you know, like office job games and cooking games and so on that you were like mm-hmm. running some kind of like storefront. Like, I think it fits into that idea more. <clears throat> but I, I like that, like something like Oberdin kind of reapproaches the idea of what even constitutes a puzzle and your inputs and so on and what that even means. Uh, let's see. Your inputs? How so? Well, because that one was you trying to identify how people died. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the... Uh, a lot of puzzles are find a code and open a door, essentially, or find the lock oh, or I solve... See. Or, you know, unlock this, find the combination, or figure out how, the trick to unlatching this. Like, that's that's very mechanical a lot of the time. And this was mm-hmm. more nebulous, and there was even an element of, like... The, the paradise killer question of whether or not you're doing a bad job and getting away with it or if you're lying to benefit somebody or someone there's like mm-hmm. narrative in the puzzle solving and the nar- the element there i was trying to go through my puzzle <clears throat> uh category on youtube and i'm actually surprised i guess i, I, I well I was, I was gonna say it feels like i get to really old games really quickly uh, and that it's not as puzzle intensive as I would have thought. But then I realized how long some of these fucking playthroughs are. Because Full <laughs> Bore yeah. was 36 episodes. Bonfire Peaks is 32 episodes. Superland and Superland Crash yeah. is 49. Like some of these actually like Monster Expedition is a fairly long and like exhaustively difficult game at some point. Yeah, like in the Dracnect field, like Bonfire Peaks, Monsters Expedition, uh, uh, what's the train one called? Uh, Cosmic Express. Those are all pretty neat games. Cosmic Express is probably my favorite because I like the uh, the line drawing puzzles more than I like the push this thing around puzzles. But that game was an interesting problem where you would have X number of inputs and outputs for where trains would go and you had a certain number of... Uh, like, you had people who... Were like aliens of different colors and types <clears throat> and they had places they were spawning and places they had to go to and so you had to try to draw lines that could take them from point a to point b and you had to take all of them from point a to point b but they're all from different point a's and different point b's and your train has x number of compartments to actually carry people at once and they'll jump in or hop out the first chance they get when you go adjacent to their destination or source and so you had to find like the perfect solution to every single level by drawing a line. And that was just a very fun riff on that idea. Bob is you is good for having a lot of like those epiphany moments. Like the uh something like I think something like Cosmic Express, probably its weak point is that it never has that moment. There's a moment you're usually looking for in a puzzle game where everything kind of breaks i guess or you escape the rules essentially like that moment where you feel like you have defied the game in some way it often happens narratively too like characters like gladys and so on like in portal you play the the puzzle chambers chronologically as you were told to do and then you don't (laughs) like and then you like narratively you're technically like mechanically you're still doing that but narratively you escape uh you escape the rails that Gladys has you on and you start going into these bizarre environments that are like the 
behind the scenes part of the building and you're solving your way through that and it all feels like you're you're mashing together broken parts to solve the puzzles as opposed to doing these like carefully like sanitized like rooms that are designed for the one solution and all that and so it just 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 kind of feels weird in that way and a lot of puzzle games have a moment where you like you unlock something insane or you like go out of bounds or just something very strange happens and what's nuts about Baba is you is that that's like half of its puzzles in some cases. Like you just, because it's about reprogramming the game via this weird Sokoban, Sokoban programming hybrid mechanical setup, you'll just have like levels where you just turn the level into Baba or something. Like, and like everything is Baba or some other absurd thing will happen. Yeah. And yeah. that's like, they ended up making a game that's full of those kinds of moments of just those absurdities. Uh, Locke was good about Locke was like was a game that I specifically downloaded Dreams just to play, uh, and I did the that developer interview with with the developer, uh, eight hundred eight hundred pixel gorilla, and uh, like I, that game was interesting enough just to sell me on the entire idea of even downloading Dreams, which I had never done before. That. Uh, that game, that that PlayStation game, lets you make games basically from the developers mm -hmm. of Little Big Planet. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Locke is such a good puzzle game that I just did that, and I and I fully recommend that if you haven't watched my playthrough to just go check out Locke in Dreams, uh, and just try it out for yourself. But like that one was very good at having these very interesting puzzles that would recontextualize what you were already looking at and so on, and have some surprise like progression to it that's satisfying. I'm really curious about how you, like, I'm, I know, like, I, the more I solve puzzles, the more I get a feeling for how to solve puzzles, you know, but. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I, I know don't, I, I don't <laughs> feel like that gives me the ability to make puzzles, so I still don't understand how people make puzzles at, in general, or how you come up with, like, a core concept for a game and then iterate on that, and, like, what that process is like, and I especially don't There's know something... how you, like, then do that for, like, your whole, like, you have that moment for your game, like, how do you even create that i don't i don't speak from the exper experience of making puzzles but there's something i've noticed you keith haven't adapted to making yet which is uh uh good for content i suppose i'm watching your um vertical game on the nintendo ds let's play and i was watching the uh the latest uh witness let's play that you did and you still you you never go down to the fun the mathematical fundamentals of puzzles. Uh, the witness is very susceptible to that. A lot of the times, there's not that many combinations that are possible even. And so you from a you can look at the puzzles from a mathematical perspective and just like brute force them very fast. Um, and you never never engage with the games like that. You never look at at them like a, a series of binary choices. Um, and I, I do think sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, yeah, for sure. Especially but when you get not... to, when you get me like drawing like those puzzles where I have to draw uh, in the witness randomizer. When I was inside the mountain, there's those parts where I have to draw two symmetrical lines at once, mm -hmm. and then those ones I got really granular. I was literally like, okay, what is every single fucking direction I could do? Like, cause I'm missing something. Those so are like, the hardest. So like step by step, I started breaking down like. What turn am I not considering here? Because based on how mm -hmm. you even start those puzzles, the rest of it kind of like yeah. it's like solves itself in, in that like yeah, it's yeah. like like the there's a, you keep having only so many steps you can make at some point after the way mm -hmm. you start. 
And so that's why that actually was so frustrating is that I definitely did start making trying to break it down to like the number of combinations and I could not spot where the one I was missing was. Yeah, uh, I I said what I'm trying to get to is that 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 if you train yourself to think of puzzles as mathematical mathematical binary choices, it it's not immediately the the, the binary choices don't happen right at the beginning of the puzzle, mind you, especially in the witness because you can go anywhere, start anywhere, and stuff like that. It's usually like you can you need to spot the points where the binary choices exist and then shape the rest of the solution around them. And because the puzzles aren't that complex, it's it's just a grid of usually a grid of like six by six, I think, dots and, and lines. So they're not super complex. So usually there's not enough room to make those binary choices, one or two that exist per puzzle. There's not enough room to make the the rest of the puzzle be too difficult to get to guess after that. So what puzzles usually do, in video games anyway, is um, they force you into dead ends where you're like, okay, I I don't know where to proceed. So you have to reassess everything from the beginning. And what what happens to me in the in in puzzles is especially in RPGs like Dragon Age happened in the first one and the second one is I I solve them instinctively, solve the puzzles instinctively just because I know how developers are doing their thing. So I I, I can tell. I can tell the dead ends before I even walk into them. Like, uh, there's one puzzle at the end of the Dragon Age 2 that people, everybody's like, oh, that puzzle was terrible. It's like one with pillars. Um, and I looked at the pillars for like 10 seconds and I saw the, the binary choice that exists midway through the puzzle. And then the rest of the stuff is just just fell into place and I, I one-shot that, that puzzle live on stream. And everybody was like, did you just cheat? Did you cheat? You cheated. And I was like, nope, puzzle is super easy. But you do need to like think of it very cynically and very okay, let's let's look at what the developers are trying to do here. But I, I like that's that that happens because Dragon Age has uh, elder puzzles. The one with the the pillars is basically pipe dream, except with different graphics. <laughs> so, you know, that one was easy, but I don't know. If it's Baba Baba is you is very I think that one is of all the puzzle games that I've seen you play, Keith, it's it's probably the most challenging. That one was not even missed. That was slowly breaking my. I mean, Mist is not a very difficult series. I I couldn't get anything. I'm terrible at Mist. You you just well, it's uh, it you have to like it has to click like just the basic idea of what Mist is as a series. It's this strange, this 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 strange franchise where you observe this big 3D setting. And then you solve contextual puzzles that exist in the environment for a reason for the people that live there. So it's a very specific, strange franchise for that reason. Uh, and probably Uru is full of the most like bizarre and like taxing puzzles. And you're like, what the fuck are we doing here? Because mm-hmm. uh, it's designed to be a, cla- uh, a community-solved game that you played with people and so on. But the... Uh, the, the main the main mysterious it's not especially super difficult it's just very strange and also all the puzzles are unique so you have to like each time kind of figure them out on the fly i definitely yeah. i think i talked about this previously in some context or whatever but like just like how i bounced off of like crpgs because i fundamentally didn't understand what they were because i'm like i look at the box and it looks like diablo 2 and then i put it on my computer it doesn't play like diablo 2 how do i play this was like the the reaction i had essentially and like when I played mm-hmm. Mist on my grandma's computer as a as a kid, I just so fundamentally didn't understand what it even was that I made zero progress of any kind. 
But like once I hopped on it as an adult, I'm like, oh, this is fine. The first mist especially is like I beat the entire game in one afternoon. Mm-hmm. I think it's only like a four and a half hour I, game or something, going in blind. I would have, well, but I gave up. It is. I gave up at the train. Smart. So people get stuck in mist for months. Sometimes they need to I grow guess. up to be able to beat it. There's some weird moments like the the clock age is like you're holding down something for X amount of time and something off camera is moving oh that you can't see yeah. is a trip. And I guess some people get completely stopped dead by the the pitch matching game, the piano. But like mm. I I can I can pitch match. I can do that. I I can I can I can figure out a whole yeah, song I, by ear eventually. It'd be really annoying. Same thing. Same these puzzles are only like six notes usually. Mm-hmm. I can tell you the notes without even looking at the piano. Uh, I cannot. It's just practice. That is. That is not what I. I don't have a perfect pitch at. though. I can tell you if the note is three cents up or down or something like that. Absurd. I, I'm very good at breaking things, so <laughs> that's that's uh that's what I do. My my take. Oh, sorry, you were you were going. Can I can I just say my take? Uh, I don't know if yeah, you're going to continue. Go on. Uh, no, my I, thing I've is got nothing else. I grew up playing Tomb Raider one, specifically Tomb Raider one because I didn't have the other ones. But then I eventually played two and three and Shadow of Darkness and all that. Um. But games like Tomb Raider, uh, where the puzzle is the point rather than necessarily the combat, uh, that sort of stuff, unfortunately, got just completely swallowed by action in video games. And I wish it wasn't like that. There are entire franchises that were about thinking and solving and considering that just became about going and doing. Yeah, Resident Evil, Silent Hill, to a certain extent. All those games is just like the 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 vocabulary of video games it, these days is action and shooting and uh and like jumping and things. I, I even jumping is a puzzle though. But I wish it wasn't especially for a single player games. I think there's so much more room to tell interesting stories and have interesting experiences making puzzles than necessarily just shooting. And that's that's my that's what I miss from puzzle games. It's not the the thing is Tomb Raider was not a puzzle game. It wasn't it wasn't meant to be like that. But just the same way Silent Hill it isn't a puzzle game, even though it has even more puzzles than than Tomb Raider. But um, that's where I miss the puzzles the most these days. What game would you like to see a sequel to, but you know it's not going to happen? Hmm. I would have said Pathologic 2, but apparently the Bachelor's campaign is coming out. <clears throat> oh, nice. But, appara- but apparently it's, it's going to be. I'm very. Mm, I, oh, I have no, heard things about it that make me very nervous. Oh, no. What happened? It sounds like. I fucking. Toaster can explain this better at some point, probably, but like, I. I think it's going to be non-linear, like, in time, and it's not going to involve wow, the open world. That's ballsy. Well, it's just because it's, just it's what they can afford. Like, they can't afford to make yeah. it a Bachelor campaign, so they're going to make some kind of strange 
thing instead. Mm-hmm. And I just I don't know how it's gonna work out. I guess the we'll demo see. was pretty strange. I figured I found. I liked it, but it was like I was like, what am I supposed to do here? How do I maximize my performance? The demo for for the Bachelor. Yeah, I've never played Marble Hornets. It always no, felt I'm redundant talking... because the. Uh, so I'm like, why would I play the, the this like standalone thing? I'm waiting for like the campaign to come out so I can play that. Like whenever I play like the demo for Nier Automata or something, and then I have to come back and play the real game later, I'm like, I regret playing the demo. This is mm. here. I am replaying this part of the game and so on. But who knows no, if was, any? Of, who knows if tame. any of? Who knows if any of the Bachelor stuff will even be in the actual game when it yeah, comes out because exactly. of how strange things exactly. the development of that game is. It's been three years. I'm gonna say uh, I'm I'm gonna say that if they release it as non-open world, it might be better. Because the Bachelor campaign isn't necessarily the best thing for the open world of of uh, Pathologic. If they had to make an open world game, well, the the the, sh- the shape the changeling also benefits from the open world, I suppose. Well, at least in the original vision for her campaign. I was going to say, the, the entire Changeling campaign needs to be remade, because the thing we got in the first game was, like, barely worth playing. Yeah. But the Bachelor campaign being more linear and more... more I say linear, but uh, you said precisely the opposite. more Less open world and being more experimental. I think it's it's fine. Or hopefully it's fine. I could see it being good. Well, I mean, specifically, it's it's non-linear in time, is what I heard, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. This is what happens when I'm trying to repeat shit that other people have said. But I don't think you play the, the dem- days in order. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. The demo starts off with a scene that happens at the end of the demo. So it's not like in, in, in Meridian thing or whatever it's called. It's like you get the context and then you go and prepare for that context. And uh, that preparing is due to you being asleep. I think you have a fever or something like that. So it's like half dream, half moving around. It's weird. Uh, I thought it was really interesting, challenging to understand. Yeah, I I liked the demo, even though it was just a little. I I have um, a game that I'm going to say is not going to be made. (laughs) Bloodlines 2! Oh, if it is, the one that's... Like our current vaporwave? Vaporware shit? If it's coming out, it's probably not going to be the game that the literal writer of the first Bloodlines wrote. Bloodlines 2 was written by... Um, well, actually, two people instead of just one, uh, like in the first game, or mostly in the, just one person in the first game. Um Bloodlines 2 was written as well by the same writer that Bloodlines 1 was, and they canceled it and they're just remaking it because I think they're afraid that the combat sucks, which it's fine. It's a sequel to a game where the combat sucks. It's totally fine for the combat to suck. I'm just like, I don't understand. I mean, I do understand why they would be afraid of releasing it. But yeah, big shame. I think it's. Um, I feel like it's always folly to try to make a sequel to like those like hyper influential yeah. RPGs yeah, yeah. that people idolize so much because it's like 
They were almost always made in an incredibly weird, scrappy scenario where they barely finished the thing to, to begin with, and like half of it's mm-hmm. leaking out of its ear and shit. <laughs> like they're like barely functional products made by dead studios usually, and it's yep. like it's such a bizarre thing to try to recreate because in many cases they're like they're often like functionally failures, but the people like usually can't get the same people to to make it again anyway. But then also like any corporate decision will immediately go against the idea of making the thing that was the point of why you were making the sequel to it in the first place and so on. And it's like, mm-hmm. it just becomes a weird compromise thing. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like any of them will like never come out. And then other the ones that do like outer worlds are just like so pale compared to the thing that they were trying to recreate. And we had the discussion mm-hmm. before where like, I keep thinking that like the best, the worst parts of outer worlds are the parts where it's trying to be new Vegas and like if it had just been its own game it would have yes. been better than trying to be like the spiritual successor to that game you're obsessed with mhm i agree completely and i also but the thing is i also think if they make new vegas 2 they're also going to fail because new vegas was also the result of weird like limitations imposed by bethesda and by time and by yeah. the engine it's uh and, and like baldur's gate 3 is kind of the same uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is being develop- developed by the same folks who did Divinity Original Sin and incidentally all of the Divinity games um, and uh, and I don't know that it has anybody that works in Baldur's Gate 1 or 2 uh, it's just it's just a Dungeons and Dragons flavored Divinity game is what it's going to be which is totally fine like Divinity Original Sin 2 was I, I loved it it was tremendously good yeah well it's balanced. just wearing the it's wearing the reputation of a mm-hmm. different franchise just for the mm-hmm. sake of it, basically. But I also think that people are not really falling for it. Like, old school players that did play Baldur's Gate, they don't... Like, they know that it's not necessarily... That it's not going to give them the same thrill. I was talking earlier this week with a co-worker about games, about role-playing games. And she was like, oh, I really enjoyed Baldur's Gate 2. I need to get around to this Pathfinder game. Um that uh, she had seen as uh, advertised. Uh, and I was like, yeah. if you like Baldur's Gate, you might want to go with the Pillars of Eternity uh, because, well, it was designed to be... I didn't make this argument, but among us here, uh, Pillars of Eternity originally was called uh, Project Infinity. You know, was it Infinity? What is it called? Project Infinity? Yeah, I think so. Uh, which is a reference to the Infinity engine, which is the engine that Baldur's Gate ran on. And it was pitched uh, to in the uh, kickstarter campaign he was pitched as the spiritual successor of Baldur's Gate so it was designed from the ground up to be like a Baldur's Gate kind of game I see and why it it's has... necessary but I'm so tired of the fact that like half of all modern RPGs that are made are made are like built they're greenlit or kickstarted based on the promise of remaking something from the 90s basically or giving you back what you feel about that I think I mean you're right but uh, in the case of Pills of Eternity, it doesn't really do that very much. Like it's yeah, good but it's, if you like the Baldur's promise, Gate. and it's why it's greenlit. It's the pro- and it's, oh yeah, and it's the like, and it's like it's it's chained to that premise. Mm-hmm. It was a wave of games like that for a few years in Kickstarter. You see that with the Legend of Grimrock, and with a Shadowrun, Shadowrun with the Mech Warriors game, with the that that shooter game, the 
Super 8 kind of character that ended up not being a game at all or whatever. I don't remember for the Nintendo. Mighty Number no. 9? Are you talking about that? Mighty Number 9. Mighty Number 9, Bloodstained, uh, the Double Fine Adventure game, uh, Broken Age. The entire premise there was to like nostalgically oh, yeah. bring back the style of game this particular company used to make. Like it's mm-hmm. quick, People quickly realized that in order to greenlight a kickstart, to kickstart a video game, you pretty specifically need to go for nostalgia. And so that's yeah. like... That's why specifically, the, like one of the most consistent genres is CRPGs. But the thing is, that's like in contrast with what actual normal publisher-funded games do. Where, like for example, Deus Ex, it does the same thing, but it doesn't deliver on the nostalgia. Like Deus Ex: Human Revolution is like, oh, I'm gonna wear the skin of Deus Ex, but I'm not gonna be what Deus Ex One was. So, not, it's more like the gamers it, didn't ask for this, huh? <laughs> It's it's like Fallout Three did that, and and uh, Bioshock did that as well, where they they they're basing their experience or their promises off of an old school kind of game, but they're not they're really doing something else with it. And I think that creates some tension in the players, where if somebody comes along and says, "I'm gonna make it exactly like it, I'm gonna make Fallout, but like turn based, proper top down." Right click on things to see what their description and the narrator talks to you, and it's gonna be amazing. And people will just shell over money for that game no problem nobody ever did that which was kind of a shame but still it's um yeah i see what you mean i think the, the what i was trying to say with the, with my example here is that people are not necessarily very informed about the the latest Baldur's gate lookalike in this particular case because i think pills of eternity is probably the best bet if you like that style of game but pillars of eternity is a good game it's a great it's a great game just in and of itself without any context but if that's if Baldur's Gate is the kind of game that you liked, then you should absolutely give it a shot. Um, what I'm trying to say is that when they look at things like Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2, and just because it wears the same name, they know it's not what they Wasn't Dark for. Alliance basically Diablo? Like yeah. A, a yeah. real-time hack-and-slash thing? Yeah. I think that was the game Done that fucked with me because different. it had old school armor rules where numbers, having a high number was bad. You wanted to have mm-hmm. zero or something. And I'm like, what the fuck? I don't know. It's really stupid as well because by the time Baldur's Gate 2 was released, Baldur's Gate 3, uh, sorry, Dungeons and Dragons 3 was already a thing. So they just used the old rule system because of it was the engine that supported it. And so Dark Alliance 1 and 2 came out years after Baldur's Gate 2 came out. So they just was like, oh, yeah, it's, let's just add numbers. It wasn't really a D&D game. It was just like wearing the skin and just slashing. It, it's slash amazing that people were so committed to the idea of D&D-inspired RPGs to the point where, like, was, even down to the point where you play KOTOR, all of your damage values are clearly dice rolls. Mm-hmm. And it's like... In the case of dark alliance it was a hundred percent a grift though interplay at that time was just the worst thing (laughs) and they were just going through their uh ips and using whatever technology they had and and doing getting studios to bankrupt themselves to make games for them at the same time interplay went down fallout brotherhood of steel i think is what it's called the same engine it's the same engine yeah trying to make action games out of all their crpg properties yeah if you look up the design documents for Fallout Brotherhood of Steel, for example, you can see just absurdly cynical takes on things like why women wear chainmail bikinis and how explosions make the game better and just 
it's it's it it's basically everything that's wrong with AAA development, except done by a failing company that was a tremendously big company. Interplay was enormous; it was the biggest publisher for PC games in the '90s, but they just they had terrible the uh, leadership after um, Brian Fargo left the company. I think I don't know why he left the company. I never knew why he left the company. He's the guy, that, from he's the guy that cool. tweeted my Let's Play. Mm -hmm. That's why I know his name. <laughs> I remember some names sometimes. <laughs> I was he's the like guy from In Exile. The, it's still the most popular the video on my theory. entire fucking channel. God damn it! <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. A sequel to what? Uh, I would like a sequel to Fury. Fury. I think. F U R I. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, F U R I. I would like. I know it will never happen. They did just release a new, uh, um, what's it called? A new DLC this year. New uh, DLC. For it. They made a new game. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah, they released it. They uh, yeah, they've also released a new DLC for Fury. Um, oh. Yeah, there's like a new fighter and some new skills and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it'd be fun to play a two a sequel. I'd like to see a sequel with like a different character escaping the prison or something like that. I think it'd be fun. Um, I just like I really like the skill based. Uh, I like the combination of like melee skill based shmups. Like that's a really fun untapped genre. I feel like a lot of shmups don't feel that good to uh to do boss fights in like fury managed to do and i know that like it's not possible to do a sequel ever obviously because the talent behind it is long gone and i don't even know how you would make a sequel to it without just basically doing the exact same game over again but uh but i think it'd be fun to i would like to see another one or a just something like that again would be nice it just I, I don't know. I keep I've been trying to find the some style of that or like some uh, middle ground of that because a lot of Metroidvanias will be similar to it in the sense of how it does its uh, boss fights. Like there'll be a lot of shmup space boss fight styles um, like Cult of the Lamb does that and uh, a couple of other uh, Metroidvanias uh, I've been trying to play, but they're all just not difficult on the same level that fury was there was a his level of of struggle um that you had to go through in order to master some of these combats or some of these fights uh and i would like that replicated somehow but nope maybe from software is going to do something like that in the future uh, I doubt it. I don't think there's ever been a From Software game boss fight that I wouldn't like. Wow, yeah, this is everything I want. <laughs> like, never. <laughs> Not even Melania? I don't think it's ever happened. No, there's nothing. That, I don't... I think I think as time goes by, I'm more confident that From Software's losing their understanding of what makes good boss fights. Like, as it mm. keeps progressing, they're slowly starting to lose the... You know, it's just like anything. If you If something survives long enough, it starts to, like, lose itself. He goes, like, I don't know what people want anymore, but I'm just going to keep making the thing that I, I kind of know what people want. They want bosses that are hard. I'm like, okay, well, that's like, want that. <laughs> that's like the first step. Now you need to make the hard boss enjoyable, playable, uh, fulfilling to beat. 
Um, uh, there's a lot of other factors involved. It's like, no, 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 hard boss. Oh, okay, that's fine. You can do that. It's bad. It will always be bad, but you can do it. And that's that's what like the majority of the last bosses in Elden Ring felt like. It's just didn't feel I thought good. the last and, I thought the last the second to last boss was fun. I mean the first phase, the second phase I didn't get to play it very much because it, it was I weird. I honestly didn't notice a single person on the uh I you could I guess you could call it the rush to the to the to the end. Um, I didn't notice a single person on that path. I just walked right through them. Just like, excuse me, coming through. <laughs> gotta get to the end of the all. game. Sorry. Yep, I was just like, one, two, three, four. Gotta get out of the way. Next one, three, four. Gotta get out of the way. Like, just me and Mimic just mashed through everything. Just, it was gone. It was all over. There was nothing left. Just, sorry, gotta, I, I have to beat this game right now. Please get out of the way. Um, yeah. And then the... Uh, course the ending was like haha you wanted to beat the game and not watch it for 30 fucking years well your fault then like ah sorry i forgot i didn't want to just spend all day running at a boss would have been nice to fight it at some point which i didn't i didn't even bother i said i put my hands up in the air and i said you know what I'm just going to play the game like you intended to. And so I summoned a guy who could beat the final boss for me. And I let him do that. Look at that. There you go. There's, you wanted the whole summon thing. There it is. Man, Radagon was, like, was a was pretty easy. decent wow. fight. So I was really bummed out that Elden Beast Yeah, existed. dude. What a fucking... Like, even the first phase of the final boss was like, yeah, okay, I'm down for this. And then the second phase was like, what the I'm fuck? Who, what happened? Yeah, did it's, you, like, fire the guy in charge of this halfway through building this boss? Did he just, like, fuck off somewhere? There's a lot, of very, there's the lot of very goofy, like, traditional <laughs> video game stuff going on, like, jumping over the hazards and, and running in a circle from the has the uh, the sky, the humming sky projectiles yeah. and so on. It's just, huh. <laughs> I got yeah, some no, choices lucky. right at the end. I got really it's lucky with that phase, because the first time I got one shot by a, a thing that I didn't see, and the second time, I, I just staggered the boss and killed it. That was it. I loved it. Yeah, I think great. I think every every time I died was because I was out of stamina from running constantly, and that's all I did was like I did I couldn't do literally anything else but run. It was like the boss would never stop nearby me, and when he did, he would immediately <laughs> do moves that I needed to run away from. And I'm like, what the fuck? I just like should I just put all my stats into stamina and nothing else? Then I could just keep chasing after him and hitting him very, like, very just, weakly. It, it, but it felt at least very strange that you couldn't summon Torrent for sure, especially since boss fights are often yeah. like the culmination of the mechanics of a game, and you spend all game with a horse. But the horse I, was so clearly I just meant for totally, the open world parts, not like the parts where the story happens. I would have been totally down for because it made sense too. Like it's yeah, it, yeah, it no, would have made a lot more sense. You absolutely should have been able to chase him down with torrent. Yeah, it makes that that yeah, the whole I, fight screams. I can use torrent here, and you can't. And I'm like, it's so yeah, confusing. Yeah, that would have been so good. I would have had zero complaints. I would have been like, it's stupid. It looks like shit. It'd be but a at good least climax, though. Like, I think it would. Yeah, it's just it. It's really it was really dumb. I I hated it, and nothing makes me more sorry. It's just on my mind because I recently finished editing that episode, and I'm just nothing makes <laughs> me more mad than looking at it and being like, "Oh my god, this fucking was in the game. Someone made this. Why would you do this? Like, how Wait, did you, you be edited? so? Yeah, you I just, just edited edit? that episode. Uh, did I see you live? Maybe 
I don't know. Yeah, you probably watched me live. I haven't. I mean, I definitely haven't gotten to the the ending yet in mm. the series. I'm still like, all that episode seventy. Jesus, it's too many fucking so long. <laughs> that game was so goddamn I've long. Edited, I've edited all of my episodes, and it resulted in a hundred and eighty-seven half an hour plus. Oh my episodes. god! What the? F- I did okay, do that's almost why, everything because I've been though. doing. I did everything in an hour. I didn't. I had no. I was like, I just need to bust through this. I don't care who watches it. I just need this content out of here. Get this. Get these videos out of my hard drive. They are too many. Too many <laughs> fucking long ass videos. I need to get you out of here. I if I did thirty purge. minute increments, I would be there forever. I would probably oh, yeah, be the, at like. My plan is to continue yeah. releasing episodes until March next year. That's <laughs> not, I don't want to do I've that. I've been ready for months now. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That, that's, that's ridiculous. That literally is a scheduled. whole year. Yeah, it yeah, is, is 100%. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> I'm fine, just fine. I'm fine pushing them out at 100, Jesus like an hour increments. It's fine. I know no one's going to watch them anyways. Just let them just sit there, and maybe one day someone will be like, ah, oh, I want to see this notoriously shitty run of Elden Ring. All right, there you go. It, you could watch that shitty run. Uh, I got I I'm very just, proud of my editing though. I took out all the shitty stuff. I didn't. I had no interest. <laughs> no, just this is this is what no because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fix a bad game. It's not I my job it. to present it I more interesting it. to people. This is the real game. The real game is a lot of running around in a dead ass empty area, going boy howdy gee, what is next on the list? And that's it. That's true. I'm not gonna cut that's that out. True. Like that's true. And I didn't. I didn't spend a lot of time losing boss fights, so it's mostly just me beating the shit out of someone really quickly and then going like, fuck, what do I do now? I got nothing else to do. <laughs> like, like, that's mostly the every episode. It's yeah, just me going like, I quickly killed the thing. What else do I do? Especially later in the game, there were a lot of large areas with barely anything in them. Like, the, all the area in t- around the capital, for example, it's barren. It, it's like, it has two things around it. And it's just enormous area with nothing. And and like even inside the capital is mostly nothing. It's just some souls and some enemies, but it's just like boring. Yeah, not to spoil the capital, but Oh uh, no, no, sorry, I said inside the capital. I mean inside the walls, but still outside the capital. The capital itself is uh, the best area. The outside the capital, I don't remember anything about it. It doesn't have anything. There's a church with a cat that transforms from a person into a cat. And there's yeah, and then and then it gets dragon, like wiped away, I and I you just killed went, it like I so fast. <laughs> yeah, you just I was showed like, up, I, yeah, killed I, the dude, killed the cat. That's it. <laughs> yep, I just I have no interest in anything <laughs> like like that, yeah. and that's like and I don't I don't know. Again, it just I I think that that's I think that problem for me with or I think the problem for me was just because I was given the option to do something, I did it, and I again I I just always go back to like. Maybe I, I I get why it's appealing, but I don't think it's conductive to have such level of freedom with RPG games. I think there needs to be a little bit more thought put into like some kind of constraints. Because like the idea that I could just what if I max out my strength and just go around and hit people to death really quickly, and the game just goes like if that's what you want to do, and I'm like ah, but. Should it be what I can do? Like, should you let me do that? Is that really Disco a good representation? Disco like, Elysium uh, made a lot of waves, and hopefully, Pentiment from um, uh, 
from Obsidian will make a lot more waves as well. Hopefully RPGs are headed more towards Disco Elysium than they are, you know, Elden Ring. I don't know. Elden After Ring how much money it made, so. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's it's very a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, they're going to be like, wait a second, I could just do nothing for half of a map and then just have a lot of bosses? I could do that. That's not too hard. All right, let's get that going. Someone make like a boss and we'll copy it five times and put it into various parts of the fucking map. I could do that. That's easy. And then they have Neo. Like, or the one with the robot. I can't tell you how many times I fought the what? same stupid fucking Which uh, one is the snake one that thing? has a... What is that? It's a person in a wheelchair that gets into a robot oh, the and then kills. The Surge. That's oh, yeah. Surge. The stupidest yeah, story. I... It has the worst story. The Surge. It barely has a story. <laughs> that doesn't make it any better. It just is. They just they just it barely had one. <laughs> you bet, yeah, it was right, bad. we definitely got to wrap bad. things up. It's this. We're well over our two hours. Thanks for coming, everybody. See you guys next time. Send your questions to dialogue choices podcast <laughs> at gmail.com or else. Or else. Or else. We're going to have to do it live again. And you don't want that. <laughs> that barely worked. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. The whole chat feed was just, are you going to play game? I'm like, no, don't ask me that. That's, that's uh, most Keith of it. has already played every game you want him to play. He just hasn't uploaded it yet. So yeah, the answer will always out of spite. be yes. And every time uh, you ask him if I'll play it, I delay its release by another month. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye.